Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast with Dr. Fuck and the Ayatollah of Alcohola, Ian Wadley, better known as Wadzilla. So enjoy another awesome, incredible episode of the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Bam, 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 diddly D. You know where you are? You're in the jungle, baby. You're gonna die. It's me, Dr. Fuck, and with me is... Oh, yeah! That was a beer. I want to hear you scream. Yeah! Hello, and uh, yeah, we're doing a Halloween, finally a Halloween episode for all you millions of Halloween fans out there. Or is it billions, Ian? I don't know. I get confused. I, I think it's more like 30, but they're happy as shit right now. Yes, this is like a huge band that everybody, I mean, everybody always never mentions them to, to do a uh, review. So we're doing it, it for them. Except Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho says uh, Halloween is his Iron Maiden. Are you serious? Story. Yeah. Yeah. He, but he, isn't he like the biggest Iron Maiden nut swinger? Yeah, but he loves Halloween even more. He, he thinks they're so, like, underrated, and why aren't they bigger? But, uh, you know, he's Canadian, so you got to forgive him. Yeah, well, I mean, I love Halloween, but I, I think they're exactly where they need to be in the whole hall of metal, because metal bands do not get the recognition they deserve. So what makes Halloween no, any different than, you know, your Saxons? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I'm so saying? I prefer, I prefer Saxon, but uh, I, I'm thinking some Halloween. You know what I'm saying? I hear it. You know what I'm saying? I want to hear you scream! <laughs> All right, Ian, so uh, I saw Guns N' Roses last night, but before I talk about that, I understand we have ourselves on one of them, their iTunes reviews. Yes, we do, and another five-star review. And uh, <laughs> please forgive me, uh, my, my Russian comrade. I, I know this guy from the Facebook page. His name, and I'm going to fuck this up, is a skill Vundervapel huge Russian fan uh, by way of New Jersey I believe he's in New Jersey now uh, but it says uh, five star review entitled thanks for the podcast and he says and I quote this is the most family friendly and politically correct show on iTunes wow especially when the host Ralph and Ian have discussion about the Red Rocker and his influence on a certain Dutch-American band. <laughs> and by saying so, I must admit, this is my favorite metal-related podcast. While being very informative, it is also funny. While many other metal podcasts are informative too, but all of them are extremely boring. Not these guys. Ian and Ralph deliver every episode with humor and knowledge of the subject. Even when they talk about bands I don't like, the Beatles, for example, I'm still listening to the last minute. These guys, Ralph and Ian, are not posers nor geeks. They still have the passion of the young metal fans, which reminds me of those times when Metallica played a free show in my hometown of Moscow, and me and my school friends had long conversations about our favorite bands and albums, just because we enjoyed the music. For those who are about to discover the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, my strongest recommendation to begin with is the Worst of Motley Crue episode. This is Ian and Ralph's Black Album, not produced by Bob Rock. Thank you guys, your constant listener, Say Da. And I don't know if that 
say da 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 da. Turn it up and let's do the fire. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I Park. Yeah. <laughs> Bang. In Russia, you don't <laughs> listen to podcasts. Podcasts <laughs> listen to you. Skrotnik. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah. So uh, can I go into my review now? Oh, please do. I want to hear about this. All right. I went to go see Guns N' Roses last night uh, without a ticket. I said, I'm going to try. This is what I was thinking. Uh, I'm going to try to deal with the scalper because it's a Tuesday. It is Miami. So fuck it. So I ended up going there at 4.30. On my drive there, I thought thought to myself, you know what, man? Fuck that. I'm going to have to fucking look for a scalper. I'm just going to fucking buy a nosebleed. Which, by the way, the nosebleeds were 40 bucks. And I saw, again, people online going, I ain't paying no $100 for nosebleeds. I swear, people are idiots. I mean, people in Miami said this. It's like, man, I mean, you just make up your mind. Because you know tickets are expensive, but not everywhere. You know, I, I remember hearing the same thing about Metallica. Anyway, so uh, <clears throat> I go, uh, I get to this venue and I'm, you know, I, I, walk, I drove to a, a municipal parking across the street. I walk out, I'm walking toward the ticket window and this guy goes, yo, 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 I got tickets. Yo, I got some great tickets, half price. Uh, as you can tell, that's my black man. <laughs> I was just gonna say, yo, 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 white boy. And uh, <laughs> You're like, who you calling white? So I said, where? He goes, yo, this is this is located right next to the field. You know, it's on the it's a it's a side chair uh, seat, but it's very close. It's like five rows up from the field, and it's pretty close to the stage. I mean, it's on the side, but pretty. You know, probably the closest you can get on the side, you know, because the way that the other seats were, they were kind of angled where you are closer to the stage, but you get like this really side view. Where uh, my view, obstructed view. Yeah, yeah. Where my view, you can see the full stage. So I, I, I bet you were closer than the chick keyboard player. Yeah, I was actually. She was behind <laughs> me. And uh, so, so uh, uh, it, it was a hundred sixty dollar ticket, which, again, is not bad. You figure for this really expensive concert, 160 bucks that close is, you know, it's, I mean, it's bad, but in today's age, it's not that bad. Uh, that's what you paid, 160? No, I paid 80 bucks. Okay. Ha- right. Half price. Okay, right. yeah, that ain't bad. Yeah, so, and then I get into the show, and my my good friend Mercy, who, who I'm dying to bang, and she knows this, but she keeps saying, and she's, you know, she's got that stupid Ian philosophy. She says to me constantly, I'm too old for you. Anyways, <laughs> so so I can never hit her. Hit it, right? And uh, anyway, so um, uh, I wrote on Facebook, man, I'm not even here for 10 minutes. And I got an $80 ticket. And then she wrote, hey, I'm afraid to do that because, you know, what if, what if you end up buying a counterfeit ticket? And I was like, geez, I never thought of that. But I'm inside, <laughs> you know, so... If I would have thought but, of that, maybe I would have fucking passed it, you know? Yeah, I, I have heard uh, bad stories about that. Not a lot, but... I've never really dealt with scalpers. I mean, there was like maybe... I remember I did it for Deep Purple once, and I think I maybe did it once or twice. and But never really, you know, I'm not really a scalper type guy. So I go in, the, the opening band was uh, pretty shitty. I mean, it wasn't like the most horrible thing I've ever heard, but it had like a... 
A cut. I don't know. I, 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 I can't even remember the name. It was it was kind of like it, it had kind of like a country flavor to it. Yeah. Yeah. It was whatever. Believe me, I've heard worse, but it was like, okay, you know, whatever. They went on super early. Uh, they went on like around six thirty. Wow. So, um, watch them. Uh, I was solo, by the way. I only I only met I only saw two people I knew the whole night. That place was fucking, dude. I didn't see an empty seat except near the dugout, which obviously they must not be selling those tickets because that whole section was empty. It was like, uh, it was at the very end of the field. All you saw were blue seats. It was like one section, completely empty. So I'm thinking they must have not sold tickets for that area because at least you'd see a couple people surrounded. But every fuck, I looked around, dude. I didn't see an empty seat anywhere. I mean, the place was fucking packed. Now the field was in half. And I think I, I, I saw the Metallica show was exactly the same. For some reason, I think they only sell half a field for I don't know what reason. Uh, I, I, I really don't know why. But, but you know, the whole state, and it's a big-ass stadium. It's one of those stadiums where the roof closes. Right. But lucky for us, the roof was open, and it didn't rain. Because if the roof is closing, with the open, you get more of a... Breeze. Cool, and, oh, man. No, dude, it wasn't a breeze I was feeling. It was air conditioning I was feeling in there oh, with the shit. roof open. Oh no no that 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 stadium is fucking top notch. I never seen a stadium that lo- that looked that good. That even Axl Rose said it on stage. He said, "Gee, this is a beautiful stadium." <clears throat> so Guns N' Roses comes out. Uh, I heard eight fifteen, but oh, Axl's up to his old tricks again. They came on at eight thirty. Fucking prima donna. And they played for three and a half hours, dude. Oh, I'm sorry. Well. I gotta say, dude, it was the best time I ever seen Guns N' Roses. Period. Even Slash impressed the fuck out of me. Now I will say this about Slash though: that Richard Fortis, that Izzy straddling looking motherfucker. Right. They they hold them black. They hold them back like Aerosmith holds Brad Whitford back because technically, uh. technically that guy's way better than Slash. Way better because when they allowed him to do solos. The guy was fucking good, dude. I mean, clean, ripping, amazing. But Slash was good, dude. I was very impressed. And it was one long-ass solo, not a solo every other song like I've seen Guns N' Roses do before. Axel sounded fucking amazing. And there were times where Axel would point at people. You know when you go see a concert and somebody gets the, the, the singer's attention and the singer points at him and smiles? Axel did that several times during the show, which I've never seen him do that. He was smiling a lot of the times, but then again, you think about it, they're getting paid, I believe, three million per show. So I, I would be smiling too if I was Axel Rose. Yeah, and, and three point five goes to Axel. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, they they owe <laughs> the, the band owes them. Yeah, they make three million, and then the rest of the guys have to pony up how have to go out there and hey, suck things. He, he he owns the name, man. <laughs> Oh, man, and I have never been to a concert, ever, where I've seen so many people wear the the shirt of the band they're about to see. I even made a note of it. I was like, look, because at one part, I was uh, on the upper, there's this upper level, because in order to get to my seat down there, you have to walk up. So I was looking downwards, because they had this huge Guns N' Roses merch thing outside, which, you know, had 
drawings of appetite and shit. And uh, I was just looking down, looking at everybody come in, and dude, every little people, every little group of people that walked in had there was at least two or three people with a Guns and Roses shirt. It was undeniable. I saw a guy in a kilt. <laughs> oh my god! Was yeah. it Johnny Vogan? Yeah, I think it was. Uh, no, it wasn't Johnny Vogan. There was no eyeliner or lipstick on that guy. So, <laughs> Must have been James McCormick then. Yeah, yeah, probably was James. Um, and uh, and I saw a guy with a top hat. No, actually, it was a girl wearing a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Slash. And uh, I gotta say, man, they were fucking amazing. I finally got to see them do Coma, and it was great. Uh, nice, good, great song. Yeah, great finally, song. I got to see them do that, and they did. Uh, you know, they opened up with It's So Easy, they did Brownstone, they did My Michelle, they did uh, Rocket Queen, Double Talking Jive. Uh, they did a couple, they didn't do Sorry, which pissed me off because that is on the set list. They traded it for Don't Cry, which was not. Oh. Yeah, that wasn't good. Um, and and uh, I understood because I, I, there's this guy on YouTube called the Guns N' Roses channel or something, so he reviewed yeah. The Miami show, and he said they played "Don't Cry" and "Patience," something they have not done in a long time. Like p- played both songs at one show. Now I understand "Patience" wasn't hasn't been on the set list for a long time. Great song. Great uh, song. So they, they didn't play uh, "Sorry," which was on uh, set list. They, uh, they uh, "Attitude" was played. I'm sorry, yeah, I know. Ugh. Um, but man, it was so good. It sounded so good. The band was so good. Axel sang his fucking ass off, dude. And dude, I gotta say, man, it was the best time I ever seen them ever. And my favorite time seeing my favorite time seeing them was with Buckethead. You know, I saw the original Guns N' Roses twice. I mean, the first time doesn't really count because I saw them in a club. I didn't know who they were. But when they opened for Motley Crue, I mean, anybody. I mean, you can ask Ruben De La Rosa. I love that guy. And he'll tell you, man, they fucking were terrible. And uh, you can actually hear it on YouTube, too. Somebody audio recorded it. So, uh, let, let me ask you this. Uh, you know, was it was it more of like a, a rock sounding? Like they didn't like over Vegas it? Like, you know, they would do a lot of times on the Use Your Illusions tour? Was it like good rocking? It, it was total rocking. And something I noticed while watching the show last night, I was like, you know, it's not that uh, bloated. Because it's only two, you know, Guns N' Roses is a five-piece. So they're a seven-piece. They have Dizzy Reed, who, dude, the only time he really, they really spotlighted him was he did the intro to Black Hole Sun. He played on piano a little bit. Then they went into the song. And that girl, dude, uh, the only thing I saw her do all night was fucking background singing. Like, you know, like, you know, November Rain, like, ah, you know. I mean, I'm sure she was doing something back there. I I, I thought... They're an eight-piece, though. Who else is there? No, there, that's it. Really? Yeah. I, I, I thought there was fucking uh, three keyboard players. No, no. It's uh, Dizzy Reed and that chick. That's it. And oh, the rest... I, I, I thought there was another keyboard player. Yeah, and oh. no, and they didn't do no long, you know, little fucking interludes, pompous shit. I mean, the only thing they did that was an interlude all night, and it was awesome, was... Uh, Fortis and, and Slosh got together and did Wish You Were Here instrumentally, and it, it was really good. And then they went into uh, the end of Layla, you know, where uh, Axel's playing the piano and 
and Slash was doing the solo. And then they went to November Rain. The rest of the show was just stripped down the songs. There was I no... heard Wish You Were Here was dedicated to Izzy Stradler. <laughs> yeah. No, no, actually, that song is is dedicated uh, to to the rights of Guns N' Roses. <laughs> Slash and Duff, like, that, you know, that's what they were wishing, that they had rights to that shit. Wish I'd never signed this shit away. You know, they're, they're up there looking out on stage going, Dude, 80% of this crowd is wearing Guns N' Roses shirt and Axel's making all that merch money. Uh, seriously, though, I mean, I mean, I, you know, I love to bag on Guns N' Roses. Still think, you know, like way over, you know, uh, you know, blown. But uh, but no, it's awesome. How, how much uh, Chinese Democracy was playing? Not that much. Uh, they played better. They played This I, I Love. I love that song. They played oh, This I, I Love, it. and they played uh, Chinese Democracy. That's it. Yeah. See, and, and I love uh, Chinese Democracy. Man, there is an amazing song uh, buried there. And I think if I heard it live, I would love it even more. Because I hear all the bells and whistles and the trip-hop and all the bullshit. But I'm yeah, like, no, they, they did play it stripped down. But to tell you the truth, I oh. didn't like it. I don't like that song, period. Really? I don't care. Yeah, really? yeah listen to the review. I was like, I, I think I thought I said the review was okay. But I was never really a fan of that song, and they, they wow. always—it's always early in the set. They—they they, that was the third right. song in the set. But uh, this I love. I love that song. They did that, uh, well, and uh, uh, that's it. That's it. And they didn't play Ch- "Sorry." I, I want to hear "Sorry." Chinese Democracy. Uh, you know, the title track came on my phone the other day while I was driving to work, and I was just like, "Man, I really like this song, but I want it like." Drip down Guns N' Roses style. You then know, you would have liked it. Then you would have liked you, it. You know, take away the, you know, the fucking Nine Inch Nails meets uh, fucking Jesus and Mary Chain shit. Uh, you know, I'd really love it. Uh, and, and better. I mean, I, I, I think better is just. Oh, better. Amazing. Oh, better was stripped down, dude. Actually, better had an uh, an intro that's not on the song. They started better, and I was like, what the fuck song is this? I would see. I would love to hear that live now because that fucking you know, like there's almost a couple of solos, but there's this break on the record I know was played by um, Robin Finnick, you know, from or Fick or however fucking pronounce his name, the dude from Nine Inch Nails, who was an amazing guitar player, um, uh, and I know he did that solo, and I love it. To me, it sounds like Buck Dharma, like sonically, uh, you know, from Blue Oyster Cold. But it is just like one of the most perfect things. Like I love that little break more than anything Slash has ever done. I mean, so uh, and I, I remember hearing better, you know, when when all these demos leaked like fucking you know twelve years before the fucking album came out almost. And uh, man, what a great song! Well, here's the shocking thing of last night: what Axel said on stage. He said, uh, this was during uh, Knocking on Heaven's Door, you know, he does his little rap before he makes the crowd sing it. And he was going to, you know, all right, I want you all to sing along because I'm pretty sure this is the last time you're ever going to see Guns N' Roses. He actually said that last night. Interesting, because I saw something online the other day where they said all these new dates are booked and it's kind of being sold as the end of Guns N' Roses. Yeah, I, he, he, he pretty much said it last night. That's it. And I and it, to me, it kind of makes sense because, dude, I mean, he's he's walking out of this a billionaire. You know? Right. And and another thing, dude, that guy lost even more weight. 
Yeah, yeah. He, he, he looks really, really good. And his oh, God, voice that, that, was, hair, that hair is terrible, though. He's got like I, that. I didn't see it all night. The whole oh, night he, he wore a bandana and a hat. The whole night. Oh, God. He's in that, like, bad stage of, like, you, you know when you grow your hair out and it's yeah. in that fucked up, like, it's, it's not short enough, but it's not long enough, and it just looks, you know, like fucking some kind of weird Molly Ringwald shit. That's you know, what he's got that going on. Part now. to the side, but you know, at least give him credit. He ain't wearing a wig and doesn't have like plugs. He's right, not well, Michael Anthony, yet, you know. Yeah, about Brett Michaels. Uh, and something I refused to, I didn't refuse, I forgot to mention on the Ace Fairly review. Man, he's wearing a nice wig these days. Ace? Yeah, Ace is wearing a wig. That's a total uh, wig. Yep. Uh, well, if you look at Ace before when he wasn't wearing a wig, he was balding, man. He was balding yeah, on top of his head. Yeah. So now he's got a full hair, head of nice hair. But it's a nice wig, kind of like Gene's Heaven on, Heaven's on Fire wig. I thought I like the that an, wig. yeah, the animalized wig was nice on Gene's. I don't know why he got rid of it. But uh, um, but yeah, yeah, that sucks. So I was actually hope I was really hoping for uh, a, a new release because I thought you know maybe having you know at least Duff and Slashback maybe they release something that sounds a little bit more. Uh, stripped down, but uh, I even you know what I was even thinking, dude. Guns N' Roses, if they were to release an album that's very much like Appetite, like a total balls out, and yeah, throw in one piano ballad, it, I think it would explode. I think it would too, but then again, if you want to write a new Guns N' Roses album, you got to have Izzy Stradlin. True. If you want it to be good. Yeah, well, if you want it to be good, good as Appetite for Destruction. Right. Now, but yeah, you're right. Yeah, if they were to do an Appetite for Destruction type album, they'll need Izzy. But if they do a Chinese democracy, all they need is Axel, and I'm fine with that. But, but um, yeah, I got to say, man, I was extreme. I mean, I knew going, I was like, dude, I went. I mean, I wouldn't have gone if I thought it was going to suck. You know, right. I was like, no, this has got to be good. But I didn't think it was going to be that good. I didn't right. think Slash was going to be that good. I mean, I, I know I goof on Slash. I call him overrated and all. But I never really thought he was a bad guitar player. He's, he's a good guitar player. I just think he... There's way better guitar players like Richard Fortas, you know, but um, <laughs> but he was great, dude. I mean, he did a solo that was so cool, you know. And then like the place went apeshit when he did uh the Godfather. Godfather, thing. yeah. Yeah, but it's kind of like yeah, but he didn't write this, you know what I mean? But right. he was ripping, dude. I mean, he ripped, and he was really fun. I was extremely impressed by it. And that guy's a fatty. <laughs> you want to talk about a guy that gained weight? He's fucking Slash, you know. Yeah. But um, and he wore a shirt that said "Say No to Drugs," but the drugs was blurred out, and all you saw was the U, and the other letters were blurred out. So say say say, uh, just say no to you, you know. But um, and 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 Duff was wearing a cool shirt with a picture of Lemmy on it, which was awesome. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, it was great, dude. I I can't I can't emphasize how fucking amazing. And they played for all. Cause, dude, I looked at my clock and I'm like, dude, it's like 11:30 now. I thought there was like a curfew by 11 o'clock. So like yeah. from 8:30, and it was almost done by uh, 12. So it was a fucking three hour and a half show. Did they you know? play Rocket Queen or yes. Think About You? No, they didn't just Think About You. They did Rocket Queen. They did. Uh... Oh, you know what they played? Fucking Sweet Child of Mine, bro. Rare. <laughs> And that's when the whole, that's when you know you're in Miami, bro. Everybody yeah. stood up. Ah! <laughs> you know, but yeah. And, and like Rocket Queen, people were like, eh. You know, I'm telling you. Right. It's, it's Miami. I mean, it had, 
there were a lot of diehards there. I'm not saying, but you know, this is Miami. Majority were posers. And um, but it was a great time. I mean, I was alone, and uh, but I enjoyed it watching it myself. Now, I did film about half of it because even as close as I was, they still look kind of small. So by looking through my camera, because I don't take a video camera, I take my regular camera that zooms in real good. I mean, zooms in real good. That I was able to zoom in real close to them. So it was in a way, it was like not only am I filming it, I get to see them a little better, you know. But, you know, the way I film, too, is, like, I hold the camera and I look without looking at the camera so I can soak it yeah. in. Well, I saw you do that at Rush. Yeah, and Rush, we were far as fuck from Rush, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, looking through the camera, it's, it's no different than back in the day when I used to go to concerts with the binoculars, you know? Right. But, I mean, it wasn't, like, when Axel and, Ra- uh, and Slash would run to my side, I can see them a little better. And, yeah, there were huge screens. And uh, there were two big screens where you can see them on the side, and then behind them was a huge screen that never showed them. It always showed, like, you know, weird imagery, and, like, uh, they showed that little robot from Appetite, you know, the, the band cover, like, Come right. to Life, and it was just fucking badass, dude. It was a really impressive fucking show, and for a Tuesday night in Miami, like, they went up there, and they, they, they were, like, like, during solos, you see fucking Slash, like, just sweat pouring off him, you know? And the guy, you know, they didn't half-ass it. They didn't call the show in. They went out there, and they fucking destroyed, man. They didn't fuck around. And, That's and, awesome. And I'm telling you, Axel was in a, the best mood I've ever seen him in. Smiling a lot, pointing at people, because I guess people knew words to songs and shit, and he would, like, acknowledge them. But at the same time, you know, you're, you, po- you better point at people and smile, because they just spent, like, 10 grand to sit there. Right. And, and another thing too interesting was um, you know what a joke that VIP is you don't even meet the band and I think you pay like two grand so they can show you around backstage dude the line to get on VIP was ridiculous I was like you guys are paying two grand and you're not even meeting the band how weird is that huh but what a fanatical following they have and I'm got and I gotta say man after that night last night I gotta say you got I I Personally, I put up Guns N' Roses up with the greats now, man. Because I think they deserve to be up there with the Stones and, and Zeppelin and shit like oh, that. Because uh, look at them, man. Look how fucking amazing. Well, you know, I mean, I, I hate to admit it, but you, I, I'll put you two in that category, too. These are bands that sell out stadiums, dude. It's oh, like, oh, no, they're p- popularity-wise, you know, yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, you yeah. two, Guns N' Roses, I mean... Yeah, you gotta like, I gotta, I gotta put you two up there with the greats. As much as I hate them, they're, they're up there. The police, you know, shit like that. It's just, I don't know. So that's my review. Uh, Sixteen thumbs up, and Slash impressed the fuck out of me, and they held Richie Fortis back. But when they did let him go off, I he did the solo of Black Hole Sun, and it was like, whoa. And I gotta admit, dude, they're not that good doing that song. You know, I mean, musically, it's not that bad, but Axel, I don't know. That's not a song for him. Uh, but, you know, they did it. They, they did it because they did it, you know, uh, for Chris Cornell. But I was like, yeah, this, you know, this is a cover that should retire already, you know. Right. I, I, I'm so glad you enjoyed Guns N' Roses. And uh, who knows, maybe if they come back, I'll go check them. All right. Well, you want to do some news? We got time for some news? Maybe, maybe not. If not, you'll be hearing this news on YouTube. All right. Well, Godsmack, 
promises a new sound, a new stage, and a new look in 2018. Hey, maybe so I'll end up liking them now. Yeah, yeah, you stole my joke. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a fucking fifth-rate fucking Alice in Chains clone. And I know so many people, man, when they were big. Oh, God, I had an ex-girlfriend who fucking absolutely loved them. And I was like, ooh, this is such a copy of a copy of a copy. You know, and it reminded me of, like, uh, you know, like, like the, the Cock Rock fans. I mean, a lot, you know, we loved the first generation of Cock Rock. But then, you know, it went from Motley Crue and Rat to, uh, you know, uh, fucking uh, Johnny Crash and, you know, fucking, I don't know, a bunch of other fucking, you know, Hurricane Alice. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like a like a way watered down version of what they're ripping off and they were like a watered down grunge rip off and ugh, Shark God. Island. Yeah. I wish these guys would just fucking go away. God damn. Fuck Godsmack. Yeah. Alright. Terrible fucking band. Alright. Did you know the something. singer the singer of Godsmack was in a band called Malaya Rage who I love. But he was in that band he I was heard the drummer. of that I heard of that okay. He I was saying I didn't know he that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, but he was—he uh, played drums when you know after the classic album. So I'm really not too familiar with he, what he did in the library. Okay, well, yeah. See, I kind of remember that now because because an ex of mine uh, would play this like live DVD she had where he'd come out and play drums. Like, oh, you're watching that? Okay, I'm gonna go to the bedroom. She? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I implied you're a fag. <laughs> you never know. I That's like why I'm people playing. love us. <laughs> they're right. fags speaking of fags uh, Death Leopard is going to perform Hysteria in its entirety on their new tour wow just another reason for me never to have seen Death Leopard yeah well how many times have you seen Death Leopard Ralph? one two three four times I saw High and Dry opening for Blizzard of Oz with Randy Rhodes I have to brag about that because I saw Randy Rhodes. It's like somebody that saw Hendrix. They have to say it. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, I saw the Pyromania tour with Crocus. And I saw Hysteria with Tesla. Nice. And then I stopped seeing them till I think maybe two, two, three years ago when they played with uh, Sticks Uh, and Tesla. Right. And I was very impressed. I thought Def Leppard was very good that night. And Rick Allen did a drum solo that was pretty damn cool. He did a drum uh, solo. <laughs> and wow. it was good. It was actually really good. And I enjoyed it. I really did enjoy the Def Leppard show, but yeah, them playing fucking Hysteria Live, uh, no thank you. What's going to uh, be uh, the encore? Fucking Rock of Ages, Foolin' and, and fucking uh, Photograph? Yeah. <laughs> All right, now, yeah, the encore. I can see this. Three songs the guys want to hear. Uh, yeah. Oh, God. Ugh. Ugh. See if yeah. they were if the encore was satellite Lady Strange, and it could be you, then I'd go for those three songs, you know. Right. But, yeah, you know, but uh, or answer to the master. A, a big pass on uh, on that, so I will probably most likely never see Def Leppard. And speaking of Def Leppard, the great great side band from Vivian Campbell is working on a new album, Last the Line. My favorite yes. album of whatever year that was, 2015, 16. And uh, I'm very looking forward to that, too, because, boy, that is one amazing. Heavy Crown is an amazing fucking album. Oh, yeah, real good. Real I'm good. very, very much, um, 
I'm very much uh, looking forward to their new release. They are working at it as we speak. Yes, and, and you know, I mean, how amazing was it? You got to see the last uh, Jimmy Bain show. And I will yeah. put that on in my top ten greatest shows I've ever seen in my life. Wow, wow. Yeah. And what an, what an amazing revelation that uh, our co-host for this episode, Stephen Kirsch, said on last week's show about uh, Jimmy Bain. Jimmy Bain, yeah. Yeah, oh, and, and, and I'm not going to give you any spoilers. If you didn't go check out that Gary Moore show, check out a little bit of info that Stephen Kirsch had about Jimmy Bain and... Uh, I know Still it floored me. Funny. I was like, wow. Yeah, I had no idea. I've talked me neither. To so many times that he never told me that. That was, mm-hmm. what, that's some groundbreaking, that should be a blabbermouth, goddammit. Exactly, yeah. That was, that was some amazing shit. Well, it's, it's funny we talk about that because my next story is Vivian Campbell says he is not going to pass judgment on the uh, Ronnie James Dio hologram tour. Have you heard about this, Ralph? Yeah, if people are very split down the middle, I'm all for it. I'm sorry, but I am. 100%. I'm, I'm behind it. Now, one thing you got to understand, it's the Dio Disciples. They're going out there doing it anyway, and, and they're going to use Dio's hologram for like two, three songs. It's not like a whole show of hologram. Oh, it's not going to be the whole hologram No, no, shows? they're only doing a few songs. And uh, I saw Dio's Disciples, and it was good, but nowhere near. I mean, not even a pimple in the ass of Last in Line. Because Last in Line plays a lot of that old shit. You know, right. most, most of their set list consists of the first three Dio albums. And then right, where Greg Goldie wants to play the Greg Goldie shit. <laughs> Greg Goldie's... I'm sorry, man. I mean, he's a good guitar player, but he's not the Vivian Campbell, like, you know... Uh, you know, not even Rowan Roberts, you know, and I love Rowan Roberts. Oh, I love... I'll, I, I'll take him over. Uh, yeah, I, I'll take him. The only person I'll take uh, Greg Goldie over is Tracy G, but... And even Strange Highways is a better album than uh, Dream Evil. And I love Dream Evil. Uh, I don't know. I, I... Hey, 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 hey. I'm talking about my opinion, yo. Yeah, yeah. No, no, that's a tough No, I'm just thinking, you know. But but what I was going to say is, even though he ranks low on my Dio guitarist, I love Dream Evil. But Strange Highways is incredible, too. We yeah. need to do an episode on that. When we, when we finally get back we to fix our own episodes, we got to do some Strange Highways. We did, didn't we? <laughs> Now, we, we, we've always talked about it, but right. we haven't done it. Well, if you want a spoiler, go check out the Eternal Idols uh, channel. I reviewed that. Out. Oh, I love me Strange Highways. I saw that tour in a club uh, where, I, where I, I was in a mosh pit during Mob Rules. How cool is that? Moshing at a Dio show. That's hot. I, I, uh, my only Dio solo show. Yes, I, I saw no moshing. Uh, you know, I, I, I saw some. Oh, shit. My phone just went off. It's time to take my cholesterol pills. But uh, <laughs> but it was a great show, great fucking show. Oh yeah, he always delivered live. That's that's the one when uh, it was Doro and Ingve. That's when Ingve tried uh-huh. to slide the car around and hit his belly. It was so fucking hilarious. I saw that at uh, Boynton Beach. Yeah, I saw Orlando House of Blues. Nice. All right. Well, Steve Morris says it would be nice for Deep Purple to play a show with Richie Blackmore one last time. Wow. See, that guy's fucking class, Steve Morse. Oh, oh, Steve Morse is all class. And what an incredible guitar player. I mean, oh, there, yeah. uh, there's a lot of people who won't give Steve Morris era Black, uh, Deep Purple a chance. And, and that that's very unfortunate. It is a different sounding band, I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, I, I mean, if, if you love guitar, how can you 
not love Steve Morris. I mean, that guy is just phenomenal. You know, and, uh, I, I listened to that new Deep Purple, and honestly, I can't say it sucks, but it was kind of like, okay. Well, you know, I, I I hated that first single that you, you said you liked. I didn't. And like that was it at like all. one of my favorite songs on the album. The best song on the album. I can't remember the name of it. It's the second track, Something Boots. Man, that song is excellent. I mean, that song alone is worth, you know, is worth uh, having. Uh, her I, it's a good, that, uh, Hip Boots, that's the name of it. But I'll tell you what, Perpendicular is an amazing album. Well, I like everything. I even like Bananas and, uh, what is it, Bandon and uh, the last what, one. What what now? Yeah, I yeah. I liked I liked all those albums. This is Infinite is the one where I don't know, I gotta hear it some more. I think it may be a couple songs too many. It's one of those, you know. But uh, I, I, oh that, that that Vincent Price song off the last I what uh now one, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I really love that. But very recently both Ian Gillen and Ian Pace have come out and said like, Yeah, no thank you. Well uh, here's, no, here's the deal. Nobody would want a Richie Blackmore reunion with Deep Purple more than me. But I can totally understand why the Ians are against it because he really did burn that bridge toward the end. I mean, he was a complete cocksucker. If you watch, the final show was actually re- re- recorded and you can, and I highly recommend it. It's called Come Hell or High Water. Yes. Where Blackmore, they play in Highway Star and Blackmore's nowhere to be seen. Then he finally walks out and throws a cup of water at the fucking cameraman. And he's just being a douche all night. And in between songs, there's interviews with the band, Badmouth and Richie. But, uh, I mean, Richie was uh, a pain in the ass. So, yeah, uh, you know, look at look at them now. They're, they're, they're you know, united. Everything's cool. It's kind of like me bringing back my old guitar player in Project I wouldn't. I, so that's why I really do understand where the Ians are coming from because uh, right and they're so happy like like as a band right now they really enjoy playing with each other there's no drama maybe the, the, you know the the musicality level uh, well I, I mean I don't want to say you know not on the same level but just writing wise it doesn't have that Richie Blackmore tone but I mean they still have a hell of a guitar player and everybody's happy so yeah I, I get that one yeah, I, and also I gotta say, Infinite. I only gave it one listen, and maybe I wasn't in the right frame of my mind, but I was kind of like, okay, um, this sounds like Deep Purple. It's not like they did any drastic change, and I like that, but I don't know. I mean, I remember there was a song on there called Johnny's Band that was pretty good too, but I gotta that, listen to it. That, some that's their new single. They put out like a new EP that's like it's uh, Johnny's Band is the single, and there's a video for it. And some other live shit. I haven't listened to it yet. I'll be, I'll be quiet. I was so turned off by uh, that, that that first song. Time, time I, I, for Bedlam. Yeah, I was so turned off by that. I I haven't gone back. So maybe I need to give it a listen to. It. Yeah, you, I mean, I, I I really I really know you're gonna like Hip Boots. I I, I just have okay. a you're gonna like it. It's it awesome. I will check it out. All right. Well, X Man of War guitar guitarist Ross the Boss was inducted to the Hall of Heavy Metal History at this year's Bakken Open Air uh, uh, weekend. And rightfully and, uh, so, because Man of War fucking rules. And anybody out there that doesn't think so, well, that's okay. That's your opinion. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, Man of War is one of those bands, uh, you know, I, I've never, like, fully 
got into them, but I, I've known some people who were so man of war. Like, Hello. They, they, did a, they did a they did a tour a couple years ago. I know a lot of people from New Orleans uh, traveled to uh, I believe Cleveland. They did like a weird show in Cleveland, and all these guys did a pilgrimage to Cleveland. They're like, it's fucking man of war playing in the U.S. We gotta go, and, which is and, a bad idea. And and, and uh, you know I. I, I, I've come to love uh, Battle Hems and, and Hail to England oh, yeah. and stuff and, and uh, stuff like that. I mean, it's just something. I mean, it's cheesy, but there's just something so metal about it, you know. I know it's it, you know what it is. It's like abandon your bullshit, and this is just a metal band. We worship metal, and I yeah. and a lot of people like it's so stupid. It's like it's because you're not metal. I'm sorry, right. you know. A lot of people get offended, but it's the truth. If you don't get Manowar. You really don't get the metal right. lifestyle. You just don't. I'm sorry, you just it, don't. It's it's like the perfect soundtrack for like a Conan movie or or like you know yeah. you know they they should do the soundtrack to a Chuck Norris movie or something because it's just so primal. I mean, if you just listen to the lyrics, yeah, you're gonna pee your pants laughing. But the metal behind it is just so like, man, if you're not banging your head, you know, I'm like, come on, this is so like everything we love about metal. You know, uh, you know, with lyrics like heavy metal or no metal at all, wimps and posers leave the hall. If you find that ridiculous and stupid, you're just not metal. It's just face it. Go look in the mirror and say, hey, man, I think that's stupid and I'm not metal. Thank you. <laughs> but uh, I, I love to see him. You know, they call him the, the international or was it global metal ambassador. He's the first ever global metal ambassador. And even though it's you know, you know what is the Hall of Heavy Metal history, but I give that shit more street cred than the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Thank you. Of course, and, and you know, and look, and I gotta say this, you know, I wish I could. I saw Manowar once, but I wish I could have saw him in England because here they hate the United States because they played yeah. the culture room. They looked like they were going through fucking uh, the, the motions. They phoned yeah. in, and you gotta understand. This was my main bucket list band for decades. And finally, it was 2007 or 8. They played Fort Lauderdale. Packed the fucking place. Dude, before we walked in, there was a sign there saying, you cannot wear spikes into the show. This is a band that has a song called Gloves of Metal, where the lyrics, with the genius lyrics, and may I quote the great, uh, whoever wrote it in the band, <laughs> might have been Eric Adams, I don't know, or Joey DeMaio. We wear medals. We wear spikes. We rule the night. What? We can't either? You know? Yeah, but, but well, one thing you got to keep in mind, was that a request from the band or a request from the owner of the venue? You know, The it, band, it could... dude. I play oh, the culture room all oh, the time okay. with spikes on. And here's okay. another thing. Okay. I mean, the, here, the, I was so disgusted by the show. I left there super pissed. And I didn't even bother to go meet them. But here, listen to the stories of my friends that did meet them. First, Eric Adams came out. And, oh, Eric, Eric, can you sign this? Can you get a picture? And Eric giggled going, uh, I don't think so. And he walked away, right? Ooh. So you, th you think that's bad. Next came Joey DeMaio. Uh, Joey. And he just turned, he pointed at him, he goes, don't even think about it. And he kept walking. I still love Manowar. But you see, I'm not one of you douchebags out there that look into, like, the inside shit, so you're going to judge a band because of that. I love, I still love, I will be honest with you, the last couple releases, I don't get Sons of Odin and shit like that, 
and even Warriors of the World, like it had some like House of Death and House of Doom in the title track, which was great, but the rest was so pompous that even for me, it was like, God damn, like, you know, the whole Viking. Yeah. And, you know, and but, I, I heard a lot of bad reviews of that re-recording of uh, uh I, I won't even bother. Too. I won't even yeah. bother. But I love, my favorite is uh, Kings of Metal. That was the last one with Ross the Boss. But the the yeah. most cheesiest album they have is probably the one I listen to the most, the one Louder Than Hell, yeah. uh, which has the genius lyrics. The gods made heavy metal, and they said that it was good. They told us to play it louder than hell, and we promised that we would. When it, it's, losers it's, think we're over with, you know that it's a lie. The gods made heavy metal, and it's never going to die. It's like Spinal Tap, but they're serious. Oh, yeah, no, it's total Spinal Tap. But I love Spinal Tap, too. I you know, too. I mean, Spinal Tap may be a joke, but I think they kick ass. <laughs> hey, but I that's saw because Spinal I'm mad. It was great. Yeah, well, unfortunately, I saw the Unwigged tour. Yeah. <laughs> unwigged and unplugged, and it was terrible. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, it was really bad. And uh, I met Michael McKeon after the show, and a guy had a uh, uh, Laverne and Shirley box a, a game box game like a monopoly thing yeah he said he wouldn't sign it yeah he's like oh i'm not signing that it's like fuck you and then uh nigel didn't even bother to come to us we were all calling him and he walked into the bus Uh, and uh the most popular out of all of them harry shear was the nicest he came out signed everything took pictures super nice guy and it's like dude this guy is principal skinner you know i mean this guy's making a lot of money you know I've, I've I've always heard that he was nice. I've never heard anything good or bad about uh, Michael McKeon, but I've heard Christopher Guest is like legendary for being like a like a depressed like you know you know like in real life like a real morose asshole. Yeah. Even though and and he's my favorite member of Spinal Tap. Right. I love like, Nigel. Like, like a lot of comedians though. A lot of comedians, you know, they say when you meet them in life are very depressed people very like uh, you know I've heard a lot about like Steve Martin they said Steve Martin won't tell a fucking joke unless there's a camera on you know like he's never funny even his ex-wife said she goes I thought I was marrying marrying the funniest man in the world and he was always just like depressed and sad and like uh, you know so you never know yeah well um, I gotta say that uh, Brian Poussin uh, oh, super, yeah. super nice him. guy and loves Thrasher Die. I don't know if you know this. I think I think he did mention that. He he seems like a really cool guy. Yeah, I have a picture of him with a Thrasher Die shirt. I, <laughs> I always loved the story uh, that he said. I, I think it was on a VH1 special about going to a Wasp concert that he was trying to get backstage or get something signed. And Chris Holmes told him, "You ain't getting back here without a set of tits." And he's like. Hey Chris, I got tits now. <laughs> you know, you <he's, laughs> signed my record, <laughs> and it, re- it reminds me like I went to a show here at a, at a club. My uh, the club I took you to, One Eyed Jacks, and uh, and and a, a band that I love. They're not metal at all, but Afghan Wigs. I'm a huge fan, and I, I tried to get the owner. I was like, Hey, you know, can I go up there and meet him? He's like, nah, you ain't getting back there without tits. I'm like, look at me, bitch. I got, I got man tits. He's like, yeah, that shit don't count. Sorry, brother. I can't help you tonight. I'm like, ah, shit. Damn. All right. Well, here's a funny story. Uh, they might have released an album that uh, made a lot of their fans stop being pissed off, but now if you're a Metallica fan, you might get pissed off. 
did you see this story, Ralph? Oh, what are they doing now, these bastards? I love Hardwire regardless, but go ahead, tell me. <laughs> no, 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 no. This, a man was, re, uh, was arrested at a New Mexico metallic appearance because he pissed on a family that was in front of him. <laughs> wow. Apparently this guy was very inebriated at the show and while this uh, uh, father, mother, uh, child's uh, group was at a show, they were getting pissed on by this guy. They said they felt some water and like, oh my God, we're being peed on. <laughs> the, wow. guy was, the guy was later arrested and uh, but was released uh, on his own recognizance, but does have to appear in court in a couple days. Wow. So I don't know. Did, did I ever tell him this story? I tell on this show about the time I pissed on a family at a wrestling match. No, <laughs> I, I tell you what. I there's not much that I'm ashamed of, but 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 <laughs> this I'm actually ashamed of. I had some friends take me to see a Monday Night Raw, uh, a WWF or WWE, whatever the fuck event. And it was the day before my birthday. And we go there. Of course, we, uh, I mean, we're it's all guys I work with. We're all getting annihilated. And we're drinking these big-ass beers. I was like, oh, shit, I got to take a piss. And this is right around the time uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was like the biggest star. So I was like, oh, fuck, I got to go. So... I set my empty cup down, I'll be right back, and I'm walking down the aisle, then the lights go out, and you hear the, the intro music to Stone Cold Steve Austin. I was like, oh, fuck, fuck, I can't miss this, I can't miss this, so I walk back to my seat, but I'm, I'm, I'm doing the fucking I gotta pee-pee dance. I'm like, oh my god, I gotta piss so bad. And I was like, fuck this. So I like strategically positioned my, my huge beer cup, and I'm like, I'm just gonna piss in the cup. <laughs> and and so I'm trying to piss in the cup, and Stone Cold comes out, and I'm 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 waving my other hand in the air like yeah yeah, and then all of a sudden I hear this little kid in front of me going, Daddy, Daddy, he's peeing on me, he's peeing on me. And I, was like, oh. I was like, I was like, oh shit, oh shit, oh shit. And oh. my buddy, my buddy next to me grabs me like, what the fuck are you doing? So I turn, and then I start peeing on his shoe, and I'm like, oh no, oh no. And the dad turns around like he's going to fucking clock me, which I deserve. I, I admit, I was, you know, I shouldn't have done that. But the guys on either side of me that I work with, I mean, legitimately look like wrestlers. I mean, these were huge guys. So I'll never forget this. The guy looked back like he's going to hit me. He looks at the two guys next to me, and he just grabs his son in fear and hugs him. <laughs> and, and like I said, I, I feel so horrible. I never, I never meant to, 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 to pee on this poor child. Probably traumatized him for life. Every time he watches wrestling now, you know, right, like non-flashbacks. But yeah, I unfortunately peed all over this little kid. But this is what happened uh, at this Metallica concert. Now, I don't know if this was... Uh, you know, like the guy was intentionally trying to piss or he was trying to do what I did, like just didn't want to miss the song, but had to piss real bad. But yeah, the guy got arrested. And uh, uh, yeah, yeah, not, not my best moment, but hey, it happened. It makes for a good story. Yeah, uh, I, I about two, three years ago, I saw Cheap Trick at uh, this place called Sunfest. And I'm all, I mean, I'm telling you, I'm all the way up front against the board. 
like smack in front of the, you know, you can't get closer. And I had to pee so bad, I just did it right there. And I peed on the security guard. I mean, you know, <laughs> you know how the security guards that stand near the stage, you know? Right. There was actually a barrier, and then they were on the other side, but the barrier was kind of like a fence. So, you know, right. I, pee, I just peed, and I know I peed on his shoes. I, I just couldn't. <laughs> I was like, I'm not moving from I'm never going to get up here again. Right. So that's my pee story. Uh, but, but there, you know, there has been times Miami traffic is so bad that I've peed in water bottles in traffic and it, and it, and it, and it, and it always spills some on me. Never, you know, cause the water bottles are kind of small. So it's like, it's hard to get, but you have to like press your dick in, oh, yeah. hole in there oh, yeah. and, and then it's oh. the, the water bottles are never enough. Yeah. I remember one time me and my buddies, we were going to see, uh, Soulfly at fucking House of Blues in Orlando, and I slammed a 40 of Old English on the way up there. And right as we're pulling to the parking lot, like, man, I couldn't hold it anymore. So I just started peeing in the fucking the 40. I filled the whole 40 and still had to pinch the head of my cock until we parked and finished. So wow. that, sh- that shit happens, and it's painful. You know? Oh, yeah, it's terrible. Like, And also, I highly recommend don't pee while driving because... When you sit down and pee, no matter what, like you think you're done, when you like uh, take your dick out and put it back in your pants, there's always that, that little stream that comes out afterwards. That oh, little, it dribbles. That little reserve, so I always have to like come home and do laundry. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but man, I mean, you have no choice. When you're in traffic and you've got to pee so bad, uh, you have to grab, and I always travel with water. So and there's times where, dude, I, there's water in that bottle. I open the window and I pour it out and I pee in the fucking bottle, you know? It's, a, it's just the pain is too horrendous, you know? But, yeah, and there I, you go. I, I, and I can't remember. I had a friend. He's on the Rock and Metal Combat page. Uh, the bass player from Blood Sausage, Gary Gunn. Uh, I can't remember if he actually went through with it or not, but he was talking about when we went to go see Queensryche, and I think they were playing both Mind Crimes in their entirety he was talking about saying fuck it I think I'm gonna wear a diaper so I don't have to yeah. leave you know Richard like Christie does that by the way right right well that's where he got the inspiration because oh, we were okay. both huge Stearns fans and uh and he was mentioning like and I you know it was so long ago I can't remember if he actually did it we were just talking about because he's like once we get up there he goes it's two fucking albums I don't want to leave <laughs> shit dude really he wanted to sit through Minecraft 2? You talk about a major pee break. You know? Yeah, you're right about that. Man, I'll go over there, pee, masturbate, and try to pick up chicks during that part. All righty. Well, with that being said, let's leave this on a golden shower note. And uh, welcome back, Stephen Kirsch, as we talk about Halloween's epic 1987 album, The Keepers of the Seven Keys, Part Uno. All right. Now it's time for the review for the 1987, or is it six? 87. 87. Yes. Uh, The Keepers of the Seven Keys, Part Uno from Halloween. And uh, guess who we got back? Tell them, Ian. The one and only ascetic headbanger, Stephen Kirsch, brings the medal this time. The power medal. I'm back, and I'm I'm not going to mention Lizzie, so... <laughs> yeah, but it's nothing but two hours of Halloween and Bon Jovi talk. <laughs> oh boy! As long as it's not the cure, we're all right. All right, Stephen, why don't you tell us how you discovered Halloween? 
Um, I didn't know much about them actually, but there was um, a magazine I'm sure you know called Kerrang that yes. um, we I used to get. It was like my bible uh, before the internet and all that stuff. So that's how I used to get my news. Uh, I think it used to be every two weeks when I used to get it. Then it changed to weekly, so it was great. And um, they used to do really great interviews. And again, before the internet, I just used to read album reviews. And if I liked the album review, then um, then I would take a chance and I would buy the album. And Halloween were getting fantastic reviews for, for this album. And um, I read a few interviews with them and I figured I'd give it a shot. And that was how I, I got it. I went out, bought it, never heard anything from them before. Uh, I loved the whole package, the, the gatefold sleeve with all the cartoon stuff in there and um, the lyrics. I mean, it's, you know, back then you could just get an album, lay down on the bed and follow all the lyrics with the Steve, you know, the notes and all that. You don't really do that anymore. I guess because we're older, we don't have the time or it's not the same with a CD. But um, yeah, I, I first song I ever heard from them was the first track off the album. And, uh, and that, that was how I got into them. Yeah, don't it suck? Like when we used to be kids, we used to lay down and read the lyrics from an album. And now we're older and our eyesights are all fucked. And we have these <laughs> CDs with these little tiny prints. It's like, God yeah. damn it. <laughs> and we hold it like far away from our face and then we bring it up close. <laughs> but we, we would play it like, you know, just I'd just put it on repeat play, just keep playing it. And I just had the time then and just follow the lyrics. And within a day, I'd know the, all the lyrics and just, it was just a whole different experience. Oh yeah, that that was my thing, dude. I would be so disappointed to buy an album that didn't have lyrics like Van Halen and Dio were notorious for that shit. Dio would tease you. They'd throw in like one lyric, one song. It's like, what the fuck, man? And, well, the word uh, was, it was just a white sleeve and they would have like a, a slip on the inside that you just pull out with some credits and stuff. I hated that too. I, I, oh man, when, when albums didn't bring lyrics, I was always pissed. I was like, fuck you. That's why I will always make a point of putting lyrics in my Yeah, but this, this, this was a great album. I mean, the whole, you know, the gatefold sleeve. I mean, they really put a lot of money into it and time into it. Well, not here, uh, Stephen. Um, oh. We didn't we didn't get a gatefold down here. Oh, this was a gatefold. It had all, all kinds of stuff, and it was really cool. And it just gets you, even before you put the needle down on the on the record, you, you're already liking it before it's done anything. You know what I mean? Stop well, bragging, you limey! <laughs> it's a great album cover, though. I mean, it's a very metal album cover. Yeah, it's a shame you don't see the inside. Uh, it's, it's very cool. What, what does the inside have? It's uh, well, you open up to the gatefold, and it's got the lyrics uh, to each song, and then it's got all these little, like, cartoon pumpkins. Yeah, yeah, we we have that on the actual inner sleeve. Oh well, this was just a big gatefold, and it had to, you know, has a lot more you know, pictures, and it's just it's just a cool looking design. Cool, cool. I discovered. Uh, uh, I know we just we know how you discovered Halloween again uh, today. But uh, when I discovered them, <laughs> when I discovered them in the '80s, this is how I discovered. Them. It was one of those, and um, you know, back in the '80s, early to mid '80s, we always had like I was one of these metal disciples that you always had to find that metal band to turn your friends on. But oddly enough, a stranger turned me on to this because we used to go party at this place here on the beach called Pelican Harbor. All the cars would park. We'd all drink and, you know, and then there was a bunch of, like, we, we would jam to, like, we were, I think we were jamming a merciful fate or some shit. And there was a car uh, a little further than us. One of the metalheads walked up to us. Hey, man, merciful fate. And we struck a conversation. He's like, you ever heard of Halloween? And I was like, no. And he's like, come on, check them out, you know. And he had, um, 
Walls of Jericho. It was brand new at the time. It was before Keeper. And he played me that shit, and I was like, oh my god. I mean, that out, still my favorite, is uh, uh, Walls of Jericho. Oh my god, what a fucking album that is. So uh, that's how I discovered him. And then uh, uh, MTV had Banner's Ball played Halloween, some Halloween. And I was like, oh shit, you know, and then I went out and bought Keepers, and pretty much that's how I discovered them. And they were scheduled to play the Cameo Theater on Halloween of 1987. And uh, it was canceled, because I bet you anything, they got a better offer. You know, it's like, why are you going to play fucking Bobo Miami Beach? Look, we'll play, you can play over here for much more money. So I did not see Halloween till uh, Keepers Part 2 on the Headbangers Ball Tour, but um, Kai was already out of the band, even though he played on the album, which was a uh, bummer for me, but it was still great. I've, the one and only time I ever seen Halloween, and I would love to see them again. I think they are touring with like both singers now, right? Or all three singers. Yeah. Uh, Andy, Darius, Kiski, and Kai. Right, because Kai, Kai sings on Walls of Jericho, right? Yeah, and the Judas EP, and the and the very first Halloween EP. Right. So it's like one album and two EPs he did it, and then uh, Kiski's a much better singer, I gotta say, you know. But it's kind of like, but it's kind of like Dickinson Indiana, you know. I still like, you know, uh, Kai the, the early shit. I, I I'm always I don't know what it is about me, you know. So I always like the early versions of bands, with the exception of Motley Crue. I like the second album more than the first. Well, usually I always like the first album more, you know? Well, I think they went more commercial on the second, you know, once Kiski was singing. Well, it was kind of like, uh, yeah, commercial, a little more refined, exactly what Iron Maiden did. You know, they just, with Deano, they were a little more sporadic and, and all over the place where they kind of got refined on Number of the Beast, which I love that album, you know, just like I love this one. It's more refined Halloween, where it was a little more sporadic uh, just- in the early stuff. Just another piece, when I first saw, um, I saw them on the Keepers Part 1 tour, and it was May 87, and Overkill opened for them. I'm not sure what what nice. would have been. Yeah, I'm not sure what album they would have been touring at that time. But That would have been taken over. Oh, so they'd have just started. Yeah, it was their second album. Yeah, that was pretty cool to see. I remember seeing them. All right, cool. Uh, you want to take this, uh, you want to start this off, Stephen? Well, I'd, I'd like to talk, I did hear Halloween before today. Oh, you did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I I want to listen to this album. Uh, I want to say I heard I'm Alive, but I don't know where because now I'm seeing it wasn't a single and there wasn't a video for I it. I think you know where you probably saw it. MTV aired a concert back in the day. It was Halloween, Armored Saint, and Grim Reaper. And they played I'm Alive on that. So maybe that's where you saw it. Maybe that's where I heard it first. But I know the one that, that I knew... You know, that I saw the most, of course, was I Want Out from Part 2 when they did the Headbangers Ball Tour. Great song. And I didn't, um, it's one of those, I, I didn't hate the song, I didn't love the song. I mean, I thought it was okay, but it never, uh, like, grabbed me enough to, to go out and buy it, you know. But I, I remember I didn't hate it. It just, I don't know, I think it was, uh, you know, it could have been the singer. <laughs> this is very European. Uh, metal, where I'm more into like English metal, you know, uh, like like your priest and you know Sabbath and stuff like that and Maiden. Uh, 
you know, where I, I think this shit is, you know, has that classical influence and very, you know, the fantasy Lord of the Rings type shit. Uh, but it, it's one of those bands like I always wanted to get into, and Mr. X got me everything they did, every EP, every single. I've got every album uh, and just never got around. But by what you're saying, I think I'd like to go back and check out the stuff with, with Kai singing. Because if you're comparing like like a, a raw uh, version, I think I might enjoy that more. Well, I definitely I definitely put Halloween in, in the same uh, bracket as Maiden because you can hear a lot of Maiden influence in Halloween. Oh it's, yeah, they just sped it up. But it's oh. and 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 they've even admitted it. And Kiski's like a huge Dickinson fan, so I hear it. Yeah. I hear a lot of Maiden in this stuff. Oh, I hear Maiden. I hear a lot of somebody else, and I, you know I'll talk about that when we get into the songs, but. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it, it's not that this is bad, it's just not my flavor of metal. It'd be like, uh, somebody likes metal, but they don't like new metal. I think power metal is just a genre uh, that I'm not into as much. But uh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't say it It sucks, but not enough to grab me in. But it's one of the, so many other people that I know like this band, it's, Again, it's one of those like, uh, what am I missing here? You know, why why isn't this grabbing me like it's grabbing other people's whose opinions I respect? Um, but uh, yeah, this one's just never the the ship the ship sailed without me. But uh, we'll get into that as we go track by track. But uh, Steve, you picked this one, so started off with initiation. Uh, well, there's not really much to say about initiation. It's just like a little intro bit, uh, just build you up for the. It's only like a minute long, um, just get you ready for the first. Uh, you know, going straight into I'm Alive. So, like I said, this was the first thing I'd ever heard of them when you know I bought the album blindly and just put it down. And I don't know, it just it's a nice opener. It just gets you ready for the for the first song. Um, you know, it's just a little bit of an instrumental. Not really that much to say about it, but uh, I know. I know Ralph always talks about production. One thing I love about this album, the whole album is such a clean, clean sound, like very not muddy or anything like that. I'm not like big on production per se, but the whole sound of this album, just when I, I get in the car and I put it on, I crank it out. It's crystal clear. And uh, it's right, right from the very beginning of initiation. It's the whole way through the album. That's what it's like. So yeah, I mean, initiation, it's, it's fine. It's just, I usually, not really paying much attention to it. Wait for I'm Alive to kick in, you know? Well, well I, I see Invitation the same way I see, like, uh, The Hellion and Deny the Cross by uh, Overkill. Uh, and what's funny, it's the same intro they use in the Halloween video, which is stupid because they edited the fuck out of that video and they added this to it. It's like, man, and you, you could have minutes out of it. Yeah, you, you could have you chopped this off that video and put a little more of Halloween in there. Yeah, uh, but I'll get into how disgusted I am with that edited version. But um, I love this fucking intro. I think it's fucking cool, and um, I, I don't know. It just has that bombastic intro to. I love metal albums that start with an intro like this. You know, it's just like, like a. I don't know. It's like big. It's like a big intro, and you know, it's just and then it goes into like you know, it starts off kind of slow but heavy. And then it goes into I'm Alive, which I'll talk about after Ian talks about Invitation. Uh, initiation. In, in, initiation, yes. Uh, 
Yeah, uh, now we've, we've talked, we've had a lot of albums come up that have had these little, you know, instrumental preludes, interludes kind of kind of thing. And sometimes it's just pure, you know, foo-foo fruitiness, like <coughs> fanfare. Fanfare. And sometimes it's something, you know, like like you said with, uh, with Hellion. Uh, I think this is a good one. There's a little bit of keyboards, but it's not overpowering. I like that. It is atmospheric, but most importantly, it has like a you know it has some balls to it. It has like a like a decent riff, so it, it's not you know really it, this could be one of those songs that has you know like the, the you know the backslash you know and you know initiation slash I'm alive, but it's got balls and it's got a riff, and that's what I like about it. It does set a mood, so it's not totally useless. And it's got, you know, you know some metals coming up. So, in that case, I dig it. But then it kicks into I'm Alive. Uh, man. I guess the first thing that gets me with this is the guy's voice. Now, to me, it, 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 it sounds like he's taking, you know, a lot of aspects of Bruce Dickinson but I think somebody borrows from even more than Bruce Dickinson is Jeff Tate. And that's what I get a lot on this. To me, it sounds like Jeff Tate singing for Ingve. If, you know, but but not as shredding as, as Ingve. But uh, I think it's the voice that throws me off a little bit on this because there's a lot of music that I do love. Sometimes they go too classical and that really turns... I do not like mixing classical with fucking metal. I, just, I really, I don't like it when Ingve does it. I don't like it when Richie Blackmore does it. Sometimes, you know, Blackmore does it a little bit better, but Blackmore can go overboard with it too, and it just totally turns me off. I do not like mixing those two genres. Uh, and I and I think that's where I have a, a big problem with European metal versus, you know, UK metal, which is much more blues-based. Uh, you know, this uh, European metal, power metal in, in general... Uh, much more classical influenced, and it, it's it's not bad. But when it sounds like they're playing Jerkovsky on the guitar, I don't want to hear that shit. But uh, the singer's voice and sometimes the way he kind of sings the guitar uh, medley, uh, medleys, uh, melodies. Sorry, um, yeah, that kind of that kind of turns me off. But not a bad song. I mean, it's rock and it's just it's it's not my flavor. But uh, it's not a horrible song by any means. What do you think, Stephen? Uh, I love it. Again, bearing in mind this was the first song I ever heard from them, and it just—I don't know—it just gets right into it. I mean, it's just no messing about. You know, it's a—it's a, a metal album. It just bam straight into it. It's a short song. I like the fact that it's a, a short opener. Um, gets you right in the mood for the album. I, you know, going back to Initiation, I kind of look at it as the same song. It's just, you know, Initiation straight into I'm Alive. Uh, you know what's coming, I guess, from initiations. You know how it's going to go. The the I'm Alive song. I love that. It. Just it's just a powerful, powerful song. Uh, as far as his uh, vocals, I love his vocals. Um, very, yeah, very Dickinson. I, I totally get the the Tate uh, thing as well. Um, but I, I think he's, you know, he sings with a little bit of an accent. Maybe that's what's throwing you off. Again, I, I don't really know. But uh, I think he's got a fantastic voice. I've seen him live. He can do it live. Uh, just a great song. I mean, sometimes when I'm putting an album on, I might, if I don't have time, I'll always like, you know, maybe pick a 
three or four songs from an album on a playlist and put it on, but I never skip this song. This song just gets you in the mood for the whole album. Great song. Oh yeah, second favorite song on here, a slamming song, and it's a great way to introduce uh, Kiski. Uh, what an amazing singer, man. And the band is just so such a tight unit. I love the solos <clears throat> that kick in where both guitar players are shredding the same solo at the same time. And that's kind of like, man, I've never heard anything like that. Because, you know, you have, you know, your, you know, your dual guitar solos like Screamer for Vengeance, Glenn and Tipton, and, and Deja Vu with Maiden, and, you know, but it's still mid-paced. Where this is just like ripping, and they're right there in the pocket together. It's like Priest and Maiden at hyperspeed. And uh, I'm Alive is an amazing song. I fucking adore this song. Well, well, one thing, Ralph, I don't, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, due to an injury, the other guitar player, Michael Wilkath, I don't know if I pronounced yeah, that right. Yeah, the guy that's still the only original member. Right. Uh, he barely played on this album. All the guitars are pretty much all Kai Hansen, like, you know, just wow. tr- tracking it. Well, like, again, if you watch uh, that Headbangers Ball footage, they play right. the song and the guy, the guy could do it, you know. But oh yeah, yeah, that is interesting. That is interesting. I didn't know if you knew. No, I did not know that. That is that is interesting. <coughs> anyway, all right. The next song is "A Little Time." I think it's a great mid-tempo track to showcase again Kiski's voice some more. I love the melody and the bridge he sings. Like, oh, I think it's catchy as fuck. It's like a heavy metal Pink Floyd. You know, I, I, I dig this song a lot. A Little Time is a, is a great, great fucking song uh, to, to, you know, give kind of shade. You know, you had your fast one. Now you throw in this, like, little mid-tempo one. And I think it, it, it fits perfectly uh, track-wise, sequence-wise on this album. I love A Little Time. What do you think, Ian? Uh, this is one that grew on me. The, the first time I, uh, you know, this is my first time listening to this album all the way through was today, and I listened to it twice. Uh, first time it really didn't do anything. Second time, I started noticing a little bit more, and it, it, it's not bad. It's not bad, and I definitely agree with uh, what you said about the placement. Now I, I don't know, Steve. You said you know you read all the lyrics. Do you understand the overall story of this album? I mean, the, the, it's not really a, it's not a concept album. I think that the whole idea of thing is is for the you know the song Halloween. And then uh, on the next album, Keeper of the Seven Keys song. So I think it's more about that. It's not like, a, you know, Operation Mindcrime where each song right. goes into the other. That's what I, that's what I think anyway. Um, that's how well, I'm yeah. I do know they wanted to release uh, part one and two as a double album. Yeah. yeah and, the, and, and the record company said no. So they, they split it up. But, but I didn't. It was the epic songs. It was the two epic songs on each album. They're the link. That's what the, the story is about. Okay. Except for, you know, they brought out um, Keepers 3, uh, you know, years later. And I really right. think, I, I have it, and it's a great album, but I think that has got more songs to do with the concept as opposed to the first two, which I, I think, like I said, was just uh, the Halloween song and the Keepers song. And, and, and follow the sign. I think yeah, yeah. Because follow the sign. The way it ends is how Keepers Two starts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's got a, it's got that flow. And and now part three is with, with their with the newer singer, right? The Andy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, 
I, I like it. A lot of people think it's just jumping on a bandwagon, you know, because they were the bigger hits. The, you know, that's really what they're known for back then. Uh, but I, I, I got it because I'm, I'm a bit of a, you know, I like to have complete sets. So even if I've gone off a band and I'm still kind of into them, I'll still always get the albums, even if I like a few tracks. And I was actually very surprised with that album. I, I, I actually still listen to it. It's a great yeah, album. Yeah, I think it's a great album too. Now, now, what's what's the other singer like? I mean, is he a clone of, of Kiski no, or no, not at all? Not not at all. He can do the Kiski stuff, and he he sounds fine with them. I mean, you know. Yeah, he he sings them fine, but he still has his own tone. It's a little more lower registered, but he can hit the high notes. Where Kiski kind of like sings high all the time, in, in a lot of songs he doesn't really do that. Hmm. Am I, I, I you check that out. My, my, my favorites of the Darius era is the first two, Master of the Rings and Time of the Oath. Those are two great fucking albums. Dark Ride is really, uh, it's, it's what it is. It's a darker, it's like the darkest Halloween album. Now, and, and you were also talking, Ralph, about, you know, the, the first two EPs and, uh, and, and, and the first album, Walls of Jericho, when Kai was singing. Now, when Kai was singing, uh... Do you still have like the neoclassical element, or is it just just more straight up? Yeah, metal? It, it, no, there's no classical in that stuff. Okay, yeah, I, I, it is very straightforward. But he has a really high voice. Oh, really? But he does lower registers too. Now he doesn't keep it as high as Kiski does, but yeah, he hit he he he's higher, you know. And some oh, wow. songs like Ride the Sky, like he hits those really high fucking notes. Like the, and, Kiski, Kiski did redo some of those older songs. Right. Uh, I know remember. he did Starlight. Starlight, and didn't didn't he do Ride the Sky, or they did something else? Uh, my personal favorite is Gorgar. That's like my favorite Halloween song. That song fucking rules. <laughs> that, that just sounds a little Gorgar. Yeah. Look, look look at the chorus. Gorgar's gonna eat you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How badass is that? <laughs> You gotta love that, you know? Gorgar. So, oh, God, that's my next pet's Gorgar. Gorgar's gonna eat you. You gotta love that, that shit. That's a given, Gorgar. Awesome. Uh, right, and, and, and Kai, when he left, he formed uh, Gamma Ray, right? That's his band? Right, yeah. but he he did play on the, the Two Keepers albums. Right. Uh, he, he was still he in the after, band. Yeah, yeah. It was after the Keepers it started to fall apart for the members-wise. I mean, now, he, now, he left before Keepers 2 tour started, because I saw that tour, and it wasn't with Kai. I, I saw that tour, and he was with them. Oh, well, then when they came to the States, he wasn't with them anymore, so he left mid-tour, I guess. Right, right. He had, they have that guitar player still out today, I think Rowan or something like that? Uh, uh, whoever their guitar player is today was the guy that replaced them way back then. He's still in the band. Now, now how would you compare... Uh, Gamma Ray is that more like an extension of this, or closer to the Walls of Jericho, or something totally different? For some reason, I can never get into Gamma Ray, though I really love the singer. Uh, what he did, uh, he formed a band called Primal Fear. Oh, Kai doesn't sing for Gamma Ray. No, well, okay. I think he may have. I'm not sure because I never really kept up with them, but I know Ralph, uh, their singer that's in uh, Primal Primal Fear, he did. I think he was on the first early albums, and I think Kai sang later, maybe. Because uh, I, I, I think I've seen some video footage. I, I have like a, a VHS live Gamma Ray, and I believe there are songs on there that he actually sings. So I think they traded songs, but no, he wasn't the lead singer, I don't think. But again, I'm not like you know, 
I really didn't get into Gamma Ray that lot. That much. I call him Rama Gay. You <laughs> ch changed the first letters of both words, Rama Gay. <laughs> that's because you hate power metal. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's not true. I, I, I there's, I'm kind of split on power metal. There's some bands I absolutely love, like Primal Fear, and I like Rhapsody a lot. They're extremely pompous. And I don't know, something about them I fucking love. And there's a handful of other. Master Plan is another good one. No, not very well-known one. Angel Dust. But Angel Dust is a little more heavy metal with a with a flavor of power metal. But I can go on. There's there's a few other ones that I like a lot. But uh, like the early... Um, oh, man, what's the name of that fucking band? Starts with Stradivarius. The early stuff was pretty damn good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate power metal. It's just some of them. Hammerfall. Now, Hammerfall is like the poison of power metal, but <laughs> but I like them. <laughs> they are so goofy, but they're great. Hammerfall, we will prevail. You know, and yet I like that shit. I mean, I. No, that, that, no, it's funny you said that because I was I was thinking that earlier when I was listening to this. I was like. These guys are like poison to me. I mean, not like, you know, you know, nothing like poison, of course, musically. But listening to it, I was kind of laughing a lot at some of the lyrics. You know, it just I was laughing the whole time just because it's so. And I know these guys are serious about this shit. But well, I, no, I don't know. Well, actually, Halloween uh, can get goofy at parts, like Doctor Steen. Even the song Future World is kind of goofy. They do get goofy right. at times. Where Poison were thinking they were being serious, you know? Right. Well, the funny thing, you mentioned the future, and that's the thing. Like, I was sitting here listening to the album, and I'm two editions, and I've listened to it. I just started laughing, and I was started thinking of you when we reviewed the Poison, where, like, you're like, I don't like this, but God, it makes me fucking laugh. And yeah, that's yeah, kinda... no, Poison, Poison, I'm telling you, I, I said in the review, and I know a lot of people that like Halloween would never listen to a Poison review, but I gotta tell you, I had the greatest time walking around with my iPod listening to that Poison album, but for all the wrong reasons, you know? It's just so terrible, but yet so hilarious at the same time. So many great one-liners on that album, and the, what, the, what makes it even funnier is that they didn't, while they were doing it, they're like, you know, we're serious, you know? But they don't realize, you know, she's got pizzazz like a razzmatazz, and, and no way, N-O, you know, shit like that. It's, uh-uh, no way, N-O. It's like, <laughs> For the record, I love Poison and Halloween. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, Halloween, I mean, I'm talking back in the day with the Keepers. They were not a joke band, but they had fun. I mean, when I saw them live, they, they were... They like to have a, a good time, you know, and they used to, like... I remember they threw out, like, giant inflatable... Uh, you know, um, pumpkins into the audience. I mean, you're not going to see a, a thrash band do something like that. You know what I mean? Uh, so right, as serious right. well, as musicians as they were, they they did have like fun on stage and joke around. Maybe it's a German thing. Like you know, they were such assholes for so long. Now they just want to have fun. I mean, look at Tankard. Wait, wait. You know. Well, then we got the Scorpions and and uh, and uh, oh fuck, who's the other? Except uh, you know. Right, but I mean. You know, the thing with, like, A Little Time, um, you know, it's a great song. I, I love it. But, like, they have that little bit in the middle where it's all... Isn't that the one with all the clocks going off? And um, there's, like, a little bit in the middle of it, like a, yeah. a little stupid little bit. And they, they've done that in quite a few songs. Like, and they just... Again, you wouldn't get a totally serious metal band doing something like that. So I think they like to be a little 
you know, left field and just throw in some weird stuff every now and again. And that's that's what I liked about Halloween too is that you know they did do some of the little time changes and unexpected shit, like a little time where the alarm clock goes off. And uh, I like that, you know. It's just it's just something a, a little twist to uh, you know to, to separate them from other bands, you know. Well, I think it shows they don't take themselves too seriously. Either. Exactly. And and Ian, you mentioned Tanker. They're part of the Titanic Four, but uh, look at the other three bands from Germany. None of them are goofy, you know. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 they're all Sodom and uh, Creator, you know? But, man, uh, Tankard's just about getting drunk and having yeah, some yeah. fun. Oh, man, I got to tell you a funny Tankard story. I never saw Tankard, right? So they were on the 70 Tons of Metal cruise that I went on. So the first night they were playing, they were playing the same time Venom was playing. Oh. So I, so I said, fuck, uh, I'm going to see Venom. You know, they mean more to me, but I love Tankard. But I went to go see Venom, so the next time Tankard was playing was at two in the morning on the pool deck and I got completely <laughs> sloshed and I woke up on the pool deck like at five, like at five in the morning. I was there, but I was passed out on a beach chair while they were playing. So I totally missed Tankard, but I did see something funny. The singer of Tankard was in the bathroom peeing in the sink. You know, <laughs> I thought that, I was like, "Oh, he's, I saw the singer Tanker peeing in the sink." <laughs> That's gonna be me at the expo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm gonna pee on the floor, but you know, uh, not in the bathroom floor either. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So, did we all talk about a little time? Yep. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stephen, why don't you take Twilight of the Gods? Um. This song, I like this song, but it's not one of my favorites on the album. I think it, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the chorus. Um, I like very, very catchy songs. That's what I like. And this to me is not a catchy song. I have to I have to work at this song a little bit to like it more. You know what I mean? Um, again, the, the playing is great. I love, you've mentioned it before, but the twin sound guitars that they do is just incredible. Um, they're just great musicians but this song just i like it and i don't skip it if i'm listening to the album uh, i do listen to it and over the years obviously i've gotten into it but this one was a little bit tougher for me to get into again i, I think it's more because of the chorus um you know i like big choruses and easily you know you hear it once and and you kind of remember it and it's good and this one just didn't do that for me but i do i do like it and um just a, not as much as the others no, not as much as Ian hates it. Go ahead, Ian. Tell us how you feel about Twilight of the Gods. <laughs> well, I'd like to back up Steven here. You do love some catchy songs. You like a lot of shit you catch AIDS from. <laughs> oh, man. Um, well, I kind of agree with you uh, spot on here. What, what nailed me right from the get-go is the beginning of this song, where he's playing that classical, like, and I'm just like, Fuck, you pissed me off, like, in the very first, you know, section of the song. And then it kind of goes, you know, you know, the tempo flows in and out, you know, a little soft, a little hard. Um, but, man, it's just that right off the bat, that classical shit, man, that I really uh, just, just really don't care for. Again, it's not, like, horrible. Like, I can listen to it. I can appreciate the musicianship. Okay, I mean, these guys can play. It's just what they do is, is not my bag, but I respect it. If that makes any sense, you know? I mean, it just... Well, it's like, I'm, I'm not going to bash it, but it's just, you know, 
not my flavor. Again, I I don't know if this is my least favorite. It might be maybe uh, second second least favorite. But uh, uh, that's what I gotta say about that. What do you think, Ralph? Full throttle metal. I love this song. Back then, <laughs> this was called speed metal, but now it's power metal. But I think it's eternally awesome. This is just perfection through and through. It's it just shows again the tightness of I'm Alive. It's like. You know, you had your arm alive, you had a little time mid-tempo, and then they came right back out with something extremely fast. This is like the fastest track on the album. And I absolutely love Twilight of the Gods, and I was extremely disappointed that they didn't play it, because it is one of my favorites, my third favorite uh, on the album. Uh, love Twilight of the Gods. I think it's a great song, great metal song, speed metal. And I uh, love uh, the high vocals to it, and... Um, I don't know, it's, this is definitely my speed metal. The speed metal shit, you know? And this is like, I remember back then, man, Halloween was called speed metal. And I think this is probably the song that put them there. But there's a lot of like, uh, now you were saying, uh, do they have that classical shit in the earlier shit? No, they don't, but they have songs this fast without the classical playing. There's a lot of Halloween songs that are very, very fast like this. And this is reminiscent of the speed of the earlier stuff. Not all of it, you know, like Gar Gar I was talking about. That's a mid-tempo, heavy, heavy mid-tempo song. But yeah, yeah, I love I love Twilight of the Gods. I'll go to the next one, uh, Tale That Was Not Right. Initially, I didn't like this one because, you know, it was like a metalhead back then. But it, this one's definitely a grower. I think it's a great ballad with great vocals and an incredible solo. It sounds like Blackmore meets Wolf from Accept. Because uh, it has that, you know, feeling to it, but it also has that, that that feeling that Blackmore has, but it also has that power that Wolf would would bring to his solos. And I love a tale that was not right. What do you think, Ian? Uh, my least favorite. My least favorite. It's just you know I'm not the uh, the ballad guy. Again, it's there's nothing that's cringeworthy about it, you know, or to, you know, you can say oh it's just horrible. It's just Again, not my, uh, not my style, and it, you know, you know, and it, it's it's a stretch for me, uh, for this band to begin with because I'm not the power metal guy. I mean, I like some speed metal, which really makes me think I need to go back to you know the the first incarnation of this band and, and give that a try. But uh, yeah, yeah, they're not they're not going to win me over with this. But you know, you know, like I said, look, look how uh, a little time grew on me. You know, the second time I enjoyed it a hell of a lot more than the first time. Maybe this will grow on me. I, I, I don't know. I, I can't slam this song, but I would never rush to uh, to play this one again. So, what do you think, Steve? This uh, I this is the song I skip every time I listen to this album. I I can't. It just doesn't do it for me at all. I've had this for thirty years. This song, every single time I forward through it, it just it sounds. I know it's not out of key or out of tune. It just sounds wrong. It just doesn't flow for me. Uh, I don't know if it's the chorus or what. And the interesting thing is, it's the only song written by by the guitarist Michael Weeketh. And I think I just don't like his writing. Period. Because he writes nothing else on this album. And this is the only song that. But well, he has a co-writing credit on the last song. Well, oh, you mean on um, "Follow the Sign"? Yes. But that's not well. When we get to that, that's right just an ending to the to the album but but as far as having a whole credit and just by himself i just think it's him i just don't think 
at least on this album, because I, I love all the stuff that Kai Hansen does and that Michael Kiske writes. Just this song is just, it just doesn't flow for me. It's like, I don't know. I just, I, I skip it every single time. That's it. Uh, all righty. Well, why don't you flip this fucker over and tell us about Future World? Um, yeah, I remember, I remember listening to this for the first time, this record, and uh, I remember turning over, listening to this song, and just that intro, the guitar intro, loved it immediately. I think this is, I don't know which is my favorite song, depends what mood I'm in, but this is definitely one of my favorite Halloween songs. It's very catchy, it's very commercial, um, and it, you know, stupid lyrics, which a lot of Halloween lyrics are, but I think it's a... It's a great song and the guitaring. I think that, that those two together, um, Hanson and Weekith, are just phenomenal together. This is, I'm surprised this this could have been a big hit single. I mean, it was just, it's very commercial, but it's it's heavy at the same time. Uh, great song, one of my favorites. Ralph, what do you think of Future World? Happy metal. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> great. That's a great tune, actually. <laughs> Uh, kind of goofy, but Halloween does the goofy stuff on many future songs, and it all starts right here. It is a fan favorite, as you heard from Steven, but not one of mine. It is my least favorite off this killer album, but in no way it's a bad song. I actually like it a lot, but not as much as the rest, but it does have that them hooks that I like to hear in songs. So, And this song is catchier than Ian's Mom's Crabs. Hey! <laughs> Oh, I'll check. I've got to go to the doctor today. Yeah. Oh, you've got more problems than that, my friend. You know, one thing that I should bring up, you all know that the drummer committed suicide, right? Yeah, he jumped in front of a train. He jumped in front of a train. Yeah. Is that crazy? Oh, I I, I think, now that Mitch and I think I I do remember that. He had depression. He had depression, which is a very common theme uh, these days in in the rock world. And, and uh, there was, I read an article on him, and he was very depressed, too, about grunge. Like, you know, he fi- he thought his career was over. Because, you know, the United States didn't care for Halloween anymore. They were just releasing shit over there. But and, I think he, uh, he left Halloween when he committed suicide. Well, he, but didn't he commit suicide soon after he left Halloween? I'm I mean, not sure, but I know that he left, and yeah, maybe he maybe he was depressed because of leaving Halloween. I don't know, but what a shame because that guy was a hell of a drummer. Yeah, hell was, of a drummer. Yeah, I, good. Yeah, I met them all twice when they both when they toured both times. I saw them. I actually met them all. They were really very very nice guys, and uh, all of them very very happy to sign stuff. And the, the year after, when I saw them on the Part Two tour, I had photos from when I met them the first time. And I just bumped into them. They were they were sh- walking down the main street, like the high street, shopping. And I would just happen to be walking up. This was the first time. And uh, yeah, super cool guys. They were all of them. You know? and, and, and what a shame, because if he only knew Halloween was going to become like gods of European metal, because they are considered like huge overseas. They're still huge. And um, oh, yeah. But, you know, at this time, I think it was like Chameleon, which was. The worst, in my opinion, the worst Halloween. That album's terrible. That's them trying to like fit with the times and getting away what they do best. And I think that's pretty much probably probably that album killed them, you know. But um, yeah, I just thought I'd bring that up. Well, you know, I I, I think it's uh, it's funny though. I, maybe all the grunge people 
are offing themselves now because they know Halloween's getting ready to make a big comeback. And, and, and they're feeling threatened by power metal. <laughs> well, power metal, I think, in the United States has run its course. Power metal... In, it, had a, uh, it had a course over here? It did, dude. Actually, in the early 2000s, it was like part of the reason metal came back. You know, the, uh, rap, bands like Rhapsody and, and Hammerfall were pretty big in, in the metal scene. I, I remember. And and let me tell you something. Just to bring up Hammerfall, this is a funny story. Hammerfall, like I said, they were kind of like the poison of uh, power metal. That They were hated so much that they were at a bar drinking once. And this one guy, this one guy that hated them so much, went up and disfigured the singer's face. Because <laughs> he hated Hammerfall that much. He went up to him and beat his face so bad he disfigured it. What What do you think of uh, Three Inches of Blood? Are they power metal? I don't know what they are. They, I, I I couldn't get into that. I don't like bands that have two singers where one's gruff and one's clean. It drives me nuts. Oh, that, that's what they do? Yeah, okay. it drives me nuts. I've I mean, there's, there's more bands that are more extreme than that, but still, those two different type of vocals, like, you know, the different extremes and two, you know, it just drives me nuts. I want to hear... Either one or the other. I don't want to hear no clean vocals with death metal and vice versa, you know? Ralph, I have a question for you, Ralph. What, what's, you keep referring to Halloween as, like, what, power metal? Well, like, they are they are the, the godfathers of power metal now. That's what see, they're I known for. To me, the, the, this album's not... I don't know. I, I don't really... I guess I don't know what power metal... I, the, I would say Twilight of the Gods is a great example of power metal. What power metal is today? What other band would you put alongside Halloween that you would class as the same genre? Uh, uh, I would say Primal Fear, Blind uh, Guardian. Blind Guardian is a good, great example. So why I don't I've, I've heard Blind Guardian. I've tried to get into them and stuff like that. Other power metal kind of genres. I could never get into any of them. But Halloween is to me Halloween's not the same as, as these guys. Well, they are. I think Halloween's a little more refined, and they they have their foot a little more in the old school than the other bands. Where the other bands are just straight ahead, Twilight of the Gods. Where Halloween mixed it up a bit. You know what I mean? You say more commercial, maybe. More commercial sounding, yes. Uh, so but that, that's what what differentiates them for me is the more commercial sounding as opposed to. Yes, but there <laughs> are some power metal bands that that are just as commercial. They're just not very well known. Primal Fear is a great example. You know, even though the singer doesn't really have the high register, but music-wise, I think they're very Halloween, and they do they do have shades in their songs. You know, some songs are... But no, believe me, Rob Schneeps, that guy can sing higher than Kiske. You know, but uh, then, you know, he sings a lot of songs in his mid-tempo voice. You know? Well, like, I mean, I, mean I, I could be wrong on this, but, you know, when I think power metal, I definitely think of it being... You know, like the, the 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 grandfather to power metal would be speed metal, but then when you add in like the neoclassical element, uh, the apparatic vocals and like the fantasy lyrics, that's what I think of when I when I think of power metal. Yeah, you know, power metal also what what makes you know because I'm saying musically Halloween's more power metal, but the power metal uh, is more. Uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons, Knights and, you know, an armor right. and shit like that is pretty much their forte. You know, their, right. their, their subject matter is different. But uh, but musically, yes, uh, believe me, uh, Halloween is, are considered like, you know, like how Black Sabbath is considered the godfathers of metal. And 
and uh, you know Metallica, the Thrash, Godfathers, and Halloween right. is pretty much the the, the, the right. power metal Godfather. And the I, power I, metal, I gotta say this: power metal has been uh, like ACDC was heavy metal back in the day. Power metal was overkill. You know, overkill is considered power metal in the early two albums. It wasn't right. until Under the Influence they, they classified them as thrash. But, you know, right. just to well, I, I was talking to, to Stephen uh, before we got online with you. We were talking about this. And he said, well, you know, Dio is very fantasy, oh, fa- no, fantasy, yeah. fa- fantasy lyrics. But I think what separates it there is uh, lyrically, Dio was very fantasy, but the music itself was very English, uh, UK metal. But, you know, it was uh, yeah, very I, um, much more the the vein of, of Black Sabbath and 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 uh, Deep Purple, you know, and, and stuff like that. That that than the speed. It was much more traditional metal musically, but lyrically, yes, it was very you know uh, fantasy wise. But I, I I think an important element is to classify something that speed metal is not only the subject matter, but I think that that neoclassical element that a lot of uh, these bands have and. You know, you got the newer bands like Dragon Force is big. I can't get into that shit, but me neither. You know. Me neither. No. But but I mean, they but just I mean, played here last night, actually. But I mean, they they have their following, you know, and their their fans that love them. And I mean, it's just not my bag. But for me to get into Future World, I think uh, I think I just got a problem with songs called Future World because there's another song I hate called Future World. I think it's by a band called Pretty Maids. Yeah, the day. Oh, I love that song. Oh, I. I hate. love that. I love that album. I, I I I know nothing of the rest of the album. I never checked it out because I can't stand that song. And Future World for me, I, I'm kind of torn uh, on the Halloween version, uh, or I should say version, but their song called Future World, because on this one, I I love the music, because I don't hear as much classical shit. It's the vocals that lose me on Future World. And I really hate the cadence of, of Kiski's voice on this and the way he sings the, you know, the, the guitar lick. You know, the, ah, you know, you know, just like, you know, you know, the way, the way it flows, that, that just fucking kills it for me. But when I hear just a mute, like I would love an instrumental version of Future World. I think I would love it. The drums are fantastic. The guitars are incredible, especially love the solo. Uh, but but this is one where the singer gets me, and especially that where he sings the the, the, the melody of it. You know, it's just like, uh, like Ozzy was great at singing the melody of like Iomi's riffs, but this is like it. I say it, to me, he borrows so much from Dickinson, but it's the worst aspects of Dickinson, in my opinion. And, and, and Jeff Tate, you know, the stuff like I wish they would have honed back on a little bit. This guy just like, oh, brings them out to the forefront. So, you know, and I'm not even talking about the fucking lyrics. It's just his delivery and, and, and the cadence of the flow that really ruins this for me. But musically, I think it's a really fucking tight song. All right. Well, why don't you take the next one, Stephen? The, the epic track, Halloween. Um, Alright, so I'm a huge Maiden fan Power Slave, probably my favourite Maiden album Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, a classic yes. This song 
This song kills Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner. This song is... What? what? Oh, my God. This song is one of the best epic, you know, 13 minutes of just, to me, genius. The lyrics are great. The the, the guitaring, the, the sound, the, everything. This is fantastic. This is better than the, the epic they do on The Keepers 2. This song just... I, not one... Sometimes during... No, I'm using rhyme as a comparison, but sometimes during rhyme, you know, get a little bit bored sometimes in the slow, creaky parts. I might skip a few minutes or whatever, but this one is just amazing. Every part of this song is just fantastic. I mean, this, they show off the guitaring skills. is amazing. I think the vocals are amazing. If i am just got some time and I want to listen to a Halloween song, this is the one I put on. It's a brilliant song. I know. I, I maybe look. I, I love rhyme. Uh, you know, I'm just using that because of the length of it. But it, it's never, never boring. This not that uh, rhyme, hey, never boring. This song. You're the second person who said that. Ralph has mentioned that before too, and it shocked me just as much when he said it. Said, said what? Said what? Uh, I believe you. You've mentioned before that that there's parts of rhyme that that you felt went too long or that you would edit out. Yeah, the bass. The doo -doo 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 yeah. That. That talking about all the creeping yeah. stuff and it's just a few minutes of wasted nothing really I mean it's fine you know but this yeah. Halloween song it's like three or four songs or three or four brilliant songs one after the other it's just brilliant Halloween the epic masterpiece opus fuck that edited version some of my favorite parts of this song are edited out of this like the killer killer intro this is like 13 minutes of heavy metal orgasmic riffage onslaught. Every change has hooks. Every instrument is on point. And again, Kiski just brings this to the heights of Mount Awesome. I love this track and it is the best fucking song on the album. Bar none and the best Hallow Hall Halloween song after Gorgon. That's what I think. Yeah. All right. Well, I... I'll have to agree with you there. This is the best song on the album. Um, I don't know if I like it as much as, as you two do. Uh, but then again, like I said, I'm, you know, I've only heard this song twice, but I really like it. But like what you guys have said about Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, where a little bit could be trimmed here, a little bit trimmed there. Uh, after two listens, I, I think maybe there could have been a little trimming on it. Now, uh, you know, maybe my opinion will, will change on that. But by all accounts, I saw the link. I have not heard this single version. I do not recall seeing the video. But this is a 13-minute song that got turned into a five-minute version. I do not see any way possible that you could trim this song to five minutes and have it have anywhere close to the same impact. Uh, I, I think it's... A it was a bad idea to even attempt it. Uh, I know that the single off of this was Future World. I think they should have released I'm Alive as a single as well and, and, and not fucked with Halloween. Because, uh, like, I, like I say, you know, it's even though there's some fat I think could be trimmed, there's no way you could trim that much and, and get this impact. But it is a really, really good song. And, and you definitely see a made an influence on this uh, by far, by far the best thing on here. I really did like this song. I also think there's a lot of originality 
in some of these changes. Like uh, that, that little section where it's kind of dark. Uh, right. And, you know, you know, that little crazy background vocal streaming. Well, I, I like how you could you could hear the Maiden influence uh, without it being a Maiden ripoff. That's what I liked, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, it, it is fucking epic. I love it. All right. So, uh, Ian, why don't you take the last track? The last one, Follow the Sign. Um... Uh, I kind of feel about this one the same way I do about uh, initiation. Uh, it's it's not bad, you know. It's it's got a especially you know you have an album titled Part One. I, I think this is a cool way uh, to end it. You know, I was listening to this while I was I was doing stuff around the house, so I thought it was still you know part of Halloween. I didn't know until I looked at it, I was like oh that was a separate song. Um, <clears throat> But, but I like it. I like it because it's a great way if you know there's going to be a part two. It's like a great setup. You know, just a little bit of, you know, there's more to come. You know, so in, in that aspect, I, I think it I think it works and it's not wasted. It's a, it's a cool way to end the album. And, uh, you, you know, to wrap it up, again, this isn't like my favorite genre of metal, but I do respect it. I respect the musicianship. And uh, I'm not going to give up on these guys yet. You know, I'm going to check out, the, you know, the, the, the first era that you like so much around them. I check out the other singer, see if perhaps I like him better. Because there are moments on here where, like, I'm totally into the music, but not the singer. So, uh, you, you know, you know, maybe, you know, the later version I'll like more. Or there's moments on this where the singer doesn't bother me, but it's the classical shit. So maybe the early area era would be better for me but i i think it's a it's a great pick because it's a band we haven't done before uh it's a band that should have uh you know more exposure so i think i definitely thank steven for picking this uh and and overall not bad even though it's not necessarily my thing what do you think of this song steven uh, yeah it's pretty cool i mean i don't really class it as a as a song it's just like an outro to the album um, but it's cool how I think Ralph mentioned earlier on it. It, it kind of leads into the into the next album. I think it starts the next album, doesn't it, Ralph? Yes, it does. Well, the seagulls. Yeah. It's yeah. seagulls that end this song, and then seagulls start so the, first, the second album. You know, often I listen to you know I'll listen to these albums back to back, and um, it kind of it's just it eases into the next album. So it, you know they knew what they were doing. They that's why they did it. And uh, yeah, it's a cool. I mean, it, it's a cool. Uh, it's a cool little outro, you know, it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I, I fucking love it. I think it's a great outro. I love that guitar work. Uh, it would have been nice if it was longer, but I'm fine with this minute and change of guitar playing and that whispering going on. I think it has like a great ambiance to it, and it's a great way to end this album. You know, it's like a good, like, you know, like a slowing down after like, you know, this metal onslaught all on this album, except for a tale that wasn't right, of course. But uh, I think it's a beautiful outro. Um, and, and, and I just love guitar playing like that. You know, it reminds me a lot of Blackmore. You know, that kind of emotional playing that, you know, that's why I put uh, Blackmore up on my top five. Right behind Gary Moore. And you want to know the other two less than the last episode we just did. Uh, you'll see my, my top two guitar players. But, yeah, uh, I love it. I love Follow Sign. I love this album. I love part two as well. 
I like this one more because it's a little more punch to the face. Yeah. Where, you know, part two does like stray a lot here and there, but this, this one's a little more straightforward. This is definitely the better of the two. The other one's still great though, you're right. But I just wanted to say, I've seen, you know, living in Florida for 20 years, I don't think, have Halloween ever been there, Florida? Yeah, like, like I said, only once on the Headbangers Ball Tour. Oh, uh, well, but they were they were supposed to headline the cameo. I still have the flyer. They were supposed to play here on Halloween of that album. 87 Halloween was supposed to be in Miami Beach. But that, and I was, yeah, I wasn't living here. I've been here 20. I was in Florida for 19 years. So I know as long as I've been there, they hadn't been there. But I saw them on the Keepers 1 tour and the Keepers 2 tour. And in between that, I went to the one and only Monsters of Rock at Donington that I went to was when Maiden headlined uh, the seventh sun, you know, seventh sun tour, and uh, Halloween actually opened it, and um, wow, that was pretty cool. cool. And they had that, on that bill was amazing. It was um, Guns and Roses when they were just breaking Halloween, Megadeth, Dave Lee Roth, Kiss, and Maiden. It was amazing. Oh, Donington. Yeah, and, and then that that was the show where uh, somebody died. Yeah, during during, during Guns and Roses. Set. Yeah, two kids died during Guns N' Roses because the, they had big screens at the side and they, they, I remember them falling down and Axel was trying to push everybody, get everyone to take a few steps back and no one was really paying attention. And they didn't actually know anybody had died. And, you know, this was before cell phones and Donington was about five or six hour drive from where I lived and we all, there was a whole group of us left in, you know, in early in the morning. And uh, when we got there, um, we got there just in time for Halloween and we, we didn't even know to, we got home at like two in the morning or something like that and we didn't even know it had happened and of course you know having a Jewish mother it was all over the news and you know there was 107,000 people there and my mother thought it was me you know and um, what are you doing there with those sugar the metal heads she's like oh hey <laughs> But yeah, it was weird. I mean, we didn't really know anything about it. It was actually, I know Ralph, you've been to uh, Nico's um, restaurant. I've been there many times too. Though. Man, the ribs there. Fuck that chicken. Have you had the chicken? Yeah, I've had everything there. <laughs> oh, I didn't like that chicken. Did you? Yeah, I go for the ribs usually when I go there because I go. But... Oh, so you, so you did like the chicken? Oh, it was all right. I mean, I made got... a nut swinger. Made a nut swinger. <laughs> no, but, but know... I got, I got to tell you, the ribs there. I'm not lying. I've never had ribs that good in my life. No, they're awesome. And he, he serves that sometimes, you know? Yeah, I've been there at least seven times. Every single time I was there, he wasn't there. <laughs> I've seen him there once, once he was there. But it, on the wall, the reason I'm saying on the wall, um, there, there's a big poster of, the, of Donington. Yes, um, you're right. That's yeah. the one I was at. And the, the capacity was about 80,000. And there was 107,000 people there that time. And they made big regulations after that because the two people died. And it was exhausting. I mean, I remember by the time Maiden came on, we went to the back where the food trucks were. We just literally sat on the wall and I watched them from a distance. I mean, it's a long day. And um, I know that when Guns N' Roses came on, they were, I think, second on the bill. And me and a whole bunch of us, we, we just literally linked arms and you could pick your feet up. And you, if we weren't holding each other, you'd have gone 20 yards one way, 20 yards. We'd have just lost each other for the time. It was insane. I, I didn't know that, that that's how they died, though. It was a screen that fell, and that's it crushed them? It was a screen. No, it didn't crush. The screen oh. fell, and then people started moving back, you know, ah. on them. Um, oh. But yeah, nobody okay. knew till, till afterwards, you know, but it was a crazy day. But yeah, so that's when I saw Halloween. So I've seen him three times. I just, the reason I asked about Florida is because in the 19 years I was living in Florida, they, I never, they never came down. But I did lose interest with... Uh, 
with Halloween, because I don't know, we talked about it the other day, but when the next album after The Keepers came out, the Pink Bubbles Go Ape, I was just like, what the hell, you know? And it kind of went, you know, anybody that, any album that has, I know they like to play, you know, pranks and, and they're, they're like a funny band, but to have a track called Heavy Metal Hamster just did not do it for me. And I was just, they kind of went downhill after that as far as, and I've recently gotten back into them. I've picked up a few more of their albums and there's a few, you know, I kind of got into some of them, but I definitely, after The Keepers, I, after those two, I just kind of lost interest a bit in them, really. Well, yeah, I'm, uh, and and again, that album "Pink Bubbles Go Ape" was not released here, and I didn't hear it for several years after it was released because I was afraid of it. And it wasn't until Don, the guy I used to do a radio show with at DUM, he owned it because he's like the biggest Halloween fan. That guy flew to New York. See, Halloween did play in the United States many times after that when Darius joined, but it was always in the big markets. So right. He flew, to, he flew to New York, but that guy owned everything. Chameleon, you know, Master of the Rings. All that shit wasn't released here. And I was like, oh, Pink Bubble Go Ape. He's like, no, it's really good. And I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I don't think it's as good as what came before it. It's better than Chameleon, and, but it's not as good as, you know, the, some of those Darius albums. But I don't think it's just that bad. I, you know, like, I love Kids of the Century. There's a video for it, and it's a goofy-ass video. But it's fun. It's a fun song, and I think, yeah, heavy heavy metal hamster's stupid as fuck. Even that song kind of sucks. But but, the, but, but they get very mind after coming off two amazing albums. Then yeah, yeah. Uh, that was the thing, the problem, I think. Right. For me, anyway. All right. No, I, I I agree. Well, well, thank you for picking this, and and thanks for all the info you had to this, like the the shit at Donington. I'd always heard that. Uh, they played some early versions of uh, some Chinese democracy tracks, and those kids killed themselves. Come so, on now. So I didn't know. To, I, I like that album, Ian. Oh. <laughs> oh. <Aww. Aww. laughs> and also, man, I'm jealous because you guys got to go to fucking uh, Nickel McBrain's Rib Shack. But Stephen did promise that if I come visit him in New Jersey, he is going to take me to Tico Torres Tacos. <laughs> and, uh,. So I'll, I'll give you a review when I go. Well, do it quick before you die of AIDS. <laughs> yeah. Me or Chico? Yeah, that's about what and what. All right. Uh, well, look, it's a great, great pick. Uh, the album didn't have much of an impact here in the States, I would say. Not compared to part two, I think, is where they really... You know, between the the I Want Out video that was on MTV and the Headbangers Ball tour, I think that's when they really made an impact and peaked here. But uh, but I, I think regardless of what I think of the album, it's a great pick, Steve, and, and I thank you. And uh, might as well go into the pick of the week. What you got for us this time, Steve? All right. Well, everyone knows Lizzie and my ultimate Lizzie to me are what Van Halen kiss all to you guys. So I'm not going to be obvious and go with Lizzie, but my next favorite band who are way, way down are a band no one really knows. They're called Thunder. They're pretty much in the, I don't know, just classic rock, really. And one of the best vocalists you'll ever hear in Danny Bowes. And um, I know that I'll go with their debut album, Backstreet Symphony, which is a classic. I saw them opening for Aerosmith, I think maybe on the Pomp Tour. I'd never heard of them before, and I was into them straight away. 
and they're still around producing great music. The only song that I hear from them on the radio over here is Dirty Love. I which, love that song. Well, it's funny because, you know, if you, it's it's like they're rock and roll all night. Like, it doesn't do justice to what Thunder are. So if someone says, I don't like rock and roll all night, I'm never going to listen to Kiss. It's kind of, you're missing out on so much. And it's kind of the same with Thunder. I mean, I'd almost wish they would drop it from the shows. It's that kind of song. It's great. You know, it's just a fun song, but they are so much deeper than that. And I urge everyone to, to just, just good time rock and roll. Just check them out. Thunder. All right, Ralph, you got one? No, I'm looking for my iTunes now. I'm looking for something power metalish. Okay. Well, I'll go with mine, and there's a chance I might have picked this before, but fuck it. This is this will be like our hundred and seventieth episode or whatever, so fuck it if I pick one twice. Uh, but I'm going with one that is about as power metal as I go, and uh, my favorite Ingve J. Malmsteen album is Trilogy. Uh, you know, first time I ever heard Ingve was the the video for. Uh, you don't remember, I'll never forget. Uh, and, and I just love that one. Queen is in love, uh, Liar, uh, just some great shit on there. Now, there is some classic noodling shit on there that I don't care for as much, but uh, that's just one, I, I, I don't know, it, it's part of, you know, early 86 when I was, I remember, I think I bought that in Sacred Heart about the same time. And it, I was just getting into metal, and man, that's all I wanted to listen to. And, I, saw, I, saw him on I saw him on that tour. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah he, he opened for Maiden somewhere in time on that tour here without a bass player. He no, had, no, 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 I'm sorry. It was uh, ACDC without a bass player. He, he, uh, had, he headlined in England with that. I saw him in Manchester on that. He headlined. I got to tell a funny story. Um, that video that you mentioned, you'll never forget. Uh, yeah. Remember tomorrow? That bass player in the video's name, I can't remember his last name, his name is Wally. That guy was a local musician here and he was a very, he died. He passed away, but he was like a Billy Sheen type. The guy was a monster. So when I saw uh, Ingve open for ACDC on the Marching Out tour, he played without a bass player and Wally was there and they introduced him and then he became the bass player, though I doubt he played on the album. But he does appear on that video. But uh, honestly, I was very disappointed in Trilogy. I, I, I only like Liar and Dark, Age, Dark Ages. The rest I just, yeah. I, I, I like the first two Ingve albums. Those will always be my favorites, you know. But uh, then again, I like Alcatraz. What do I know? Right. <laughs> All right, I found something. And it's, uh, I already had a pick of the week with this band, but I'm almost positive I picked their album Bleed, which is a great album. But this one, I got to say, is just as good. And it is a concept album about Nazi Germany, and they are a German man, and it is not, I wouldn't go as far as say they're power metal, but they do have elements of power metal. Uh, the name of the band is called Angel Dust, and the name of the album is called Enlighten the Darkness, and it's a very dark album, and uh, again, you know, it's about Nazi Germany, it's about a survivor of uh, the, the Nazi Germ Germany, and man, just look up on YouTube a song called Cross of Hatred. Okay, it's, it, it, it's not pro-Nazi, right? No, no, it's, it's, okay. it's okay. definitely, it's definitely, you know, in Germany, uh, it is against the law to, you know, to even mention Nazis. That's why they make okay. Kiss, Kiss play with their S's, not look right. like Right, well, I, I know, like, you can't wear anything with a, with a swastika, you know, in, in Germany is against the law. Like, it, like, it should be here to wear a fucking rebel flag. 
but you know. Right. So, so yeah, the, the, like Cross of Hatred is about the swastika, and it's a great, great, heavy fucking song. But these guys were unique, man, and I don't think they're still around anymore. They actually started off as a as a Halloween, but more thrash metal. They had two albums, uh, but then they turned into they released an album called Border of Reality that they became, it was more of a power metal straightforward shit. But you know, if you love thrash, look into Into the Dark Past. That's like a really thrashy album that's but then they broke up for like i don't know like 10 years and they you know they into the dark passage to dust will you will decay two thrash albums but then they came back border reality which is a great album too but bleed and enlightened darkness is a one-two punch so i, I have two picks i'm gonna pick bleed again and Enlightened Darkness. I can't tell you which one's better out of the two, so that's my pick of the week. I, I've heard of them, but I haven't heard them, but I've heard good things. Uh, I saw, them. I was lucky enough to see them one time. It was like, and check out this weird show. It was Nevermore. Uh, I can't remember who else. It was Nevermore and a bunch of bands and Angel Dusk was opening. But that night, uh, things were running so late that all the other bands played and never and, they, and Angel Dusk played last. It was a weird fucking thing. Like, in a way, Angel does headline. And, yeah, there, I have a bunch of pictures with them. I filmed some of it. My buddy filmed some of it. I have the whole show. And they were just phenomenal live. They do, like, the best version of uh, of um, uh, Temple of the King, the rainbow song. Which nice. the Scorpions do a great version. But, boy, Angel does, does the best version. Other than the original. Nice. Yeah, which is on Bleed, too. If you want to hear a great version of Temple of the King, look at their version. It starts as mellow as Rainbow's version, but then they get heavy. Where you know the Rainbow one just stays mellow the whole time. Thank right you. on. All right. Well, those are our pick of the weeks and fan of the week. Once again, for two weeks in a row, is the one and only Stephen Kirsch. And, and what more can we say about you, brother? I really, really hope that uh, you get to make it to the expo. So not only we can see you again, but I, I hope other uh, other fans can meet you, man, because you are a really, really great guy. And uh, we're, we're very lucky to have you as a listener. All the stuff you've done, you know, for the show to help promote it. And it's it's been real fun to do two days back-to-back with you. Uh, I, I've really enjoyed it. Uh, thanks, guys. You do a great job. Love it. Uh, yes, you know. I always spread the word, and I'll keep doing it. And uh, again, uh, once all this dies down, uh, we definitely want to have you back to do your uh, beloved Thin Lizzy. Yes, yeah, because uh, uh, that's I, I really, I, I really want to turn more people onto that because uh, you know, like like I mentioned before, I used to be just the the greatest hits guy. And then when I delve into the albums, I really had so much more of appreciation. And I know we have a lot of listeners who, like, you know, uh, either just know the greatest hits or they may not, you know, like Boys Are Back in Town, but there's so much more to that band. Uh, So I I think having you on an episode talking about just your passion, you know, besides the music, your passion could persuade somebody to to give that criminally underrated band, even though, you know, they're kind of... You know, a lot of musicians come out and, and give them praise, but still not enough fans out there, especially in America, uh, really know about that great band. Cool. I'm happy to do it. Awesome. All right, let's get to the plugs. Ear Peeler, 
the podcasting and interview news site to keep up with your favorite bands or artists and the podcasts or interviews where they appear. Go to earpeeler.com to find out what we're all about. You haven't listened to Mars Attacks podcast? What are you waiting for, man? Host Victor M. Ruiz brings you all types of hard rock and metal-based podcasts. You'll find everything from music-based episodes, interviews, to series such as ultra-sexy classic album series, where some of your favorite musicians, producers, journalists, and show hosts comments on the albums that push the evolutionary chains of hard rock and metal. Get with it and go to MarsAttacksRadio.com to find out more. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K, 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. All right, Kiss Army. Since 2007, you've been getting podcast. The Kiss Audio fanzine for your ears. That's right, it's your podcast. Every month, the podcast crew, along with the Kiss Room, brings you Kiss Talk like no one else, whether it be roundtables, interviews with the band past and present, analysis, and great Kiss fun. Hi, this is Ace Frehley, and you're listening to Podkiss. Hi, this is Bruce Kulick, and you're listening to Podkiss. The Podkiss, the Kiss audio fanzine for your ears. Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at decibelgeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. Music's most diverse podcast, starring Luke Innes, Greg Sims Bootlegs, and Mr. T from Germany. New episodes released every Saturday on Podbean, Podcast Addicts, and iTunes. The True Alternative Podcast. Have you developed paralysis from trying to choose a movie on Netflix? Of course you have. There's too much garbage on Netflix to sift through. So join us on our podcast, We Watched It For You. We watch a bad movie every week and try to determine its watchability. We Watched It For You is for bad movie fans, B-movie fans, underground film fans, and cult movie fanatics alike. Don't miss an episode of We Watched It For You, a guide to the lesser-known movies of Netflix, available on iTunes, or wherever you download your podcast. Hello, my name is Lee Gerstmann, and I have a podcast which is improvisational in time. The next episode might be 20 seconds away or it might be 20 years away, but it's called The Lee Gerstmann Show. And I do a lot of record reviews, but I also do editorials about women and food and other subjects, strange or otherwise. Feel free to take a listen to The Lee Gersman Show on Spreaker. Thank ya. 
Hey, headbangers, you want your own radio show? Well, you got it. On Thursday nights here on that metal station, join me on the Dr. Fuck Show. Go in the chat room and I will make you my co-host. That's right. Everybody that joins me in the chat room, I discuss whatever you guys want to talk about. I'll mention your name. I'll say what you say. And we're going to go back and forth. And I'll even fucking play whatever request you want. Unless it sucks. Then I ain't playing it because my show rules and only songs that rule is allowed right here on that metal station. The Dr. Fuck Show airs live Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern. Hope to see you there. Well, no, no, fuck that hope. I better see you there, motherfucker. All right, this is the Ayatollah of Alcoholic Ian Wadley, and I want you to listen to my brand new radio show, Wadzilla World, where I cover every era of fucking music that I like, and a few that you like too. Check me out every Saturday, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time on Soundphoria.com. I'll see you there. All right, well, have you dug this power metal fucking episode? Precious. Come back next week when it is yet again... Another fan-picked episode. Holy oh, when's shit. this going to end? Yeah, I think I think we got about another month, maybe two months uh, uh, left of these. But holy shit, man, can't complain. You guys have been so great donating, raising money for the, for the expo that by the time you hear this, we'll be right around the corner and hope to see a lot of you there. But next week will be another one you picked. Will it be another one that I'm on? Are you going to get the anger of the great Dr. Fuck? Tune in next week and find out. I might not be here. <laughs> well, I will. Here at the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast.